Stand up, New York Giant fans. We're coming to you live today on the Lachlan Giants podcast on this NFL Draft Eve. And joining me is going to be Chris, the entertainer, Guzzo. We're going to talk Giants Draft. We're going to talk Giants roster. All things Giants. We'll take your questions and we'll just go as long as we can on this special live edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, brought to you in part by BlueNile.com. That's coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Giant fans? Welcome to a live edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. Trisha Trainer here with you live and in the flesh, joined by the one and only entertainer, Chris Guzzo. Christopher, my friend, happy uh, drafty, whatever you, whatever, however you term it, it is a holiday for Giant fans. Are you as excited as I am about this? I story? am. I'm, I'm actually very excited. I'm so excited that I even said today uh, on Twitter before we did this live that I already know I'm not going to get much sleep tonight. I'm probably going to go do a Twitter space for an hour just to talk to people because I'm so excited. I'm not going to be able to get the draft off my mind. I've been thinking about the draft, uh, you know, since like week eight last year, which has become way too familiar for Giants fans. Um, took a little bit of a break there because it was starting to die down. But this last like two weeks, I've started to get really excited and it came up, you know, really quick. And uh, the Giants got two top seven picks. So if you're a Giants fan, how could you not be excited going into this first draft as well for a new regime? So I'm really excited uh, to see what Joe Shane and Brian Dable do. As am I. And of course, I've been spending all week long getting some material together, keeping my ear to the ground on some some rumors, some scenarios. So a lot of stuff to talk about. And as always, folks, if you have questions, you know what to do. Pop them in the comment section. Chris and I will get to them. And uh We'll just go as long as we can tonight, probably about between 60 and 90 minutes tonight. But, uh, well, hey, we're going to have fun. It is. It's here. Let's get into it. Chris, we got to start off with the first round. I think, you know, we all can agree that it's going to be offensive tackle. The question is, which, I mean, it better be offensive tackle. If it is not, I'm going to throw my remote at the screen in the press room. (laughs) So the question is, which offensive tackle? Now, the report just came out, I think, a couple days ago about some medical concerns about Evan Neal, which I I personally think is, is just, you know, somebody floating something to get the kid to drop, which, you know, happens all the time this time of year. Um I've been hearing Icky Ikwanu may go early before the Giants even get go on the clock. Um, what do you think is going to happen with offensive tackle? Yeah, I, I think the uh, the Evan Neal thing you brought up, I think somebody came out and said that it was bogus um, on Twitter as well. So I, I don't know who to believe. I, I'm not going to read too much into that. I don't think it should affect his draft stock too much. Um, as far as what I like, you know, I, I prefer Evan Neal. I, I think he's my OT1. Uh, I think he's the safest. I personally think Ikwanu may have the highest ceiling. And Charles, of course, may fit the system the best. So I think you can make <laughs> arguments for all three of them. Um, I, a lot of Giants fans are, are completely against Charles Cross, and I understand it. He's he's not as fun to watch on tape. He's not he's not necessarily as mean. He has some question marks in terms of the uh, the run blocking department, but they did run an air raid scheme there uh, while he was at college. So we'll see ultimately who they choose. As a Giants fan, I just want them to get one of the guys. 
for sure. And I'm going to trust Joe Shane uh, to make the selection. He he feels fits what their offensive philosophy is going to be. Now, I actually looked at the Vegas odds uh, about an hour ago because I'm just curious to see what people think we're going to do. And they have Charles Cross as the favorite. Uh, I think he was like about plus 170. I think the next closest was about plus 250. So right now, at least according to Vegas, they have Charles Cross as a slight favorite uh, to land with the New York Giants at fifth overall. Yeah, and of course, the Giants did a lot of work on all three of the tackles. Um, I It's too soon to say for sure what the visits mean. You know, we usually we read the tea leaves with the pro day visits. Joe Shane at all three offensive tackles uh, pro days. But, uh, you know, I, I always I, I have to float this out here because it's come up. If they go with uh, Charles Cross, he's, I believe, mostly a left tackle in college. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you would consider or you would be thrilled if they just said, OK, you know what? We'll plug him in at left tackle. We'll move Andrew Thomas over to the right side. Would that sit well with you? Uh, listen, I mean, listen, Joe Shane's going to come in. I'm going to let him, you know, as a fan, I have no choice but to <laughs> let him make the decision. I'm going to hope the decisions that he makes are right. I have to realize as a fan and people that are watching this podcast that he has nothing to do with Andrew Thomas. He wasn't here when they drafted Andrew Thomas. Do I think it's the the wisest decision? No. Uh, my preference would be that Andrew Thomas stays on the left side. And I would assume if they took cross that it would be to play on the right side and they would feel he'd be fully capable of doing so. He played on the right side at his pro day. Like you said, he hasn't played uh, on the right side at the collegiate level. But if they were to take cross, you'd have to at least think it's a, at least a small possibility that they could play cross on the left side and switch uh, Thomas over to the right, um, especially being that chain never drafted Thomas. But the job that Thomas did on the left side last year, I see no reason to shift him. Um, you know, he's a guy that's grown with the football team. And last year was one of the better tackles in, in, in the sport uh, on the blind side. So I would prefer if he's capable and the Giants feel like he could do a good job Charles Cross playing on the right side if they were to draft him. I would prefer that too, but you know what? I don't think we can rule out the possibility of a move for Andrew Thomas. Now, remember, before Andrew Thomas got penciled in as a rookie at left tackle, he was training to play on the right Mm -hmm. side, and then Nate Solder opted out, as we know, and, uh, you know, that kind of blew that plan up, you know, in smoke. So, look, I just want to make it clear. I am not a fan of the thought of moving Andrew Thomas if they do that. But that being said, they've got Bobby Johnson, who's, you know, a pretty good offensive line coach. Remember, Bobby Johnson, I think in all the time he was with the uh, Buffalo, excuse me, um, I don't think they ever drafted a first round uh, offensive lineman. That, and he got that unit playing pretty well. So um, I'd like to think they finally got a good offensive line coach who can come in, who can develop these guys, regardless of who they are or what round they're taking and turn them into a formidable uh, unit because I am sick and tired of watching human turnstiles. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. It's, it's, it's been a joke. And what gets me excited if we're making a change at the quarterback spot and hopefully, you know, hopefully not, hopefully Danny Jones is great this year, but if we have to in 2023, he's going to inherit, if we take a tackle this year, a much better situation than what Daniel Jones inherited. And I think that has to be the primary focus uh, in this year's draft. And if they get another tackle at five, I'll be super excited. My preference is Neil, but I'll be happy with any of the three. Well, the good thing about Evan Neal is he's he's uh, versatile. You can plug yeah. him in a tackle, same and then next year, yeah, yeah. Same with Equanu. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm seeing more and more that there's less of a chance that Equanu may fall down to the Giants at five. But you know, let's let's talk about you know the seventh pick here because you know this is kind of kind of piggyback off this whole thing here. So. My understanding or what I've been hearing with, with the, the uh, rumors, the reports, whatever you want to call them, 
is the Giants are going to sit tight at five. So any hope that I might have had of, you know, them trading down at five for a quarterback needy team to get ahead of Carolina up in smoke, that's not happening. I don't think at any rate. I mean, unless it's a, an offer that Shane can't refuse, but right. at seven. Now, here's the thing. They should be able to get a good defensive player at seven. There's a possibility that Oregon's Thibodeau might be on the board. There's a possibility Kyle Hamilton might be there. One of the cornerbacks, either Sauce or Stingley, might be there. But yet there's also an increasing possibility that they may move down. You know, Pittsburgh, the GM, Kevin Colbert, let it slip the other day that he inquired about what it would cost to move up to seven. So that's got tongues wagging. You know, I saw a report today that Seattle might look to move up. I, I mean, that. yeah, yeah I, 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 there was one other team. Who was the other team that might look to move up? Probably Atlanta. The, well, might have been Atlanta or the Saints. It was one of those two. Yeah. So that being said, I mean, would you want the Giants to move down if they could get a sweetheart of a deal? Or do you just say, uh-uh, too many holes on this team. Let's stand pat. Let's get a stud preferably on defense. I think you always listen no matter what. I think you always pick up the phone. You always listen. Um, and, it, and it all depends on who's there and, and how you evaluate the players. Do you think there's a couple of players there that you really like and you could get a guy that you feel is somewhat equal if you trade down two spots, say, to nine with Seattle? Uh, if you do and you could get a decent package, I think you entertain the trade. But I think it all depends on who's available for you. I personally am not looking, if I'm the general manager for the Giants, I'm not in love with the idea of trading all the way back down to 20. Uh, mm. from seven like to me that that is a huge drop um and you better be getting a hell of a package if you're doing something like that i i think something like five to eight or seven and nine i think something like that is much more feasible than dropping all the way down to 20 if you drop from seven and nine maybe you get a second round pick and you still get yourself a guy like stingley or or hamilton or a difference maker on the defensive side and you get yourself another draft pick in this year's draft not to mention we're going to probably be getting Another draft pick because James Bradbury will probably mm. be traded as well. I don't know if we'll be traded on draft night. If we don't get an extra draft pick this year, it may be in the following draft. But you have to at least op uh, be open to the possibility that that may happen on draft night as well, that Bradbury may be traded. Yeah, I mean, and we'll see what happens. I know somebody asked that before we started, you know, what's the latest with Bradbury? Right now, all quiet on the Western front, as they say. But, you know, going back to your point about trading down and how far down, you know, I think if they trade down to 20, you might hear me scream for wherever you're located because that means a longer night for me. I'm looking forward to a short night. Although, although you know, I had a weird thought. I said, I said to myself, wouldn't it be a kick in the butt? if the Giants decided to trade back into the bottom of the first round, because there's benefit there, you know, they can get rid of some of the, the lower picks, you know, maybe an upgrade, get an extra first round pick. And then what will end up happening, obviously, is you'll be able to get the three players on the 50 year option, which, you know, it's cost effective down the, down the line. So, I wouldn't be surprised if that scenario happens. I had heard that mentioned uh, as a possibility, but you know, right now there's just so much smoke that I'm just choking on all this smoke. Literally. I think it's very possible that can happen. And I, I, I talked about that a couple of months ago. It was like my dream scenario is um, if, if one of these interior offensive linemen drops to the 28, 29 range, you've got teams with multiple first round picks, teams like the chiefs, uh, teams like the Packers. Um, do you, do you trade up and get a player like that? Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I think there's so many different possibilities regarding trades. I don't think like you, I don't think we're going to have a blockbuster trade, though. I really don't because I don't see a team, and maybe I'll be proven wrong on draft night. Maybe somebody is absolutely head over heels in love with Malik Willis and they don't feel they're going to be able to get him. But 
I don't see a team be willing to move, you know, heaven and earth to be able to move uh, to to move up and get one of these quarterbacks. I do think the Steelers, because uh, that's kind of been the team that's been rumored that has really been interested in a guy like Malik Willis, um, may potentially look to trade up, but I don't think they're going to be willing to give up what it would take to move up to seven. I could see them if Willis trickles down to the 12, 13, 14 range, maybe looking to trade up at that point. But I don't think they're going to make that big of a leap, and I don't think the Giants will trade that far back either. Yeah, I I hope not. I mean, and not just because I'm being selfish, because I'm I'm there the whole night anyway. But yeah, um, I, I just hope not. I mean, get get two studs if you can. You know, one on get an offensive tackle, get a good. You know, if you can get an edge rusher or a stud cornerback, just do it. I mean, stop. Don't get cute. It it, it would have to blow me away the offer. And thank God I don't have to make the decision, by the way. I want to yeah. add that. But I'm talking, you know, for me, I've always said, if you can get an extra first round pick next year, that I think would make me move the needle. But I will say, though, and I agree with you, like that to me is the, is the objective. If I'm trading down, I want to get that future first round pick. I don't know if the Steelers are the ideal team to do it with because the Steelers are probably going to win at least eight or nine games. They always do. They've got a good defense. They've got Mitch Trubisky who could play. You know, a lot of people think they'd start the rookie quarterback. If they take Malik Willis, he'd probably sit behind Trubisky for a year um, and he'd mentor him. So I don't know how high that draft pick would be. You know, like last year with the Bears, the, we ended up getting the seventh pick. They'd probably be right around when the Steelers are picking this year where it's at like 20, which is mm-hmm. even more of a reason why I wouldn't be like absolutely in love uh, with that scenario. Now, if I was getting two additional second round picks with the extra first, we're talking, but it, yeah. I, I'd have to be absolutely blown away to, 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 to fall back that far. And this class, you know, this is a deep class. So, you know what, if, if I get, you know, if I'm Shane and I get an opportunity to get more picks in that top, top 75, top 100 range, I think I would go for it. I mean, you know, obviously it would depend on the package, but um, you know, ideally I would love an extra first round pick. So, uh, you know, for next year at any rate, because you may have to get a quarterback, you know, you never know. But anyway, folks, we are going to answer some of your questions. If you have them, just pop them into the comment section. So let's, let's do this, Christopher. Let's start off with one from Terry Bay, who asked, do you think the team will pick up Jones's fifth year option? Now there was a report by Diana Rossini of ESPN, Earlier today, Diana said that the team will meet tomorrow to discuss it. You know, no surprise. That decision's got to be made by next Tuesday anyhow, so not exactly breaking news. But that being said, Chris, I don't think the Giants pick up Jones's fifth-year option. And I know some people are like, well, they've got to because otherwise look at the cost of the franchise tag. Well, at that point, folks, you extend him. And, and this is a matter of, you know, under, understanding the cap. As I see it, if you pick up Jones's 50 year option, that money now becomes guaranteed. So then if you go and you try to extend him, you know, mm-hmm. let's say he balls out and you want to extend him to lower his number. You have to make sure that you're paying him the equivalent of the guaranteed money that he would be getting in the option year. So you're really not saving money. If you do that, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, it's a $10 million difference. You're not really saving money at, in, in the, uh, you know, at the end of the day. That said, Chris, what do you think? Should they pick up the fifth-year option? No. Um, And I understand, I guess, the argument that some people may make that if he has a good year, like you said, it's going to cost you eight or nine more million dollars to franchise tag him. But um, I'm willing to take that chance. And if if he proves me wrong, not even proves me wrong, but if he proves that he's worthy of another year, I I will eat that extra eight or nine million dollars. Or potentially, like you said, 
extend him if he really impresses. But, I, you know, I'm not taking those options off the table. But I'm also, if I'm Joe Shane, a guy that had nothing to do with bringing Daniel Jones in here in the first place, I am. there's no way in hell I'm further committing myself to a quarterback I did not draft that has missed 13 games in his first three years in the NFL and has not had much success, whether it be due to himself or the team around him. We're going to find that out this year, but I need to find that out first before I further commit myself to Daniel Jones. Now, along those lines, while we're on the topic of fifth-year option, we a lot of people don't ask about Dexter Lawrence, and his option has to be, you know, decided on as well. That's a guy I just I might pick up that option. I think that's about ten million. Yep. That's not we're not talking a whole lot. Uh, the cap situation is going to be a little bit better next year, and you know, I don't know. I, I I would pick it up. I mean, unless you know the Giants feel that they're going to have something with Ellerson Smith there, or maybe they're they'll pick up a I don't know another defensive end to eventually replace Lawrence. I mean, certainly they do need a nose tackle. They need a guy who could play that zero and one technique uh, position. Um, but you know, I would pick up Dexter Lawrence's option. I mean, I don't think the guy's missed any games. You know, he hasn't quite developed into the pass rusher. I think everybody thought he might be able to be. But mm-hmm. then again, I'm just trying to remember, he wasn't much of a pass rusher at Clemson. So pretty much what we're getting now is kind of what he was at Clemson, right? Yeah, I mean, we thought he was, when we drafted him, at least I thought he was going to play in the interior. And then I remember when Gettleman brought him in for uh, training camp, they started playing him on the, on the outside. I'm like, wow, 335-pound nose tackle. So that they kind of moved him around a bit. Um, he's been a good player. He has not exceeded or probably even met the 17th overall selection, but he's certainly been a good player for the New York Giants. I'm not going to say he's been bad, but all I'm going to say for people that say that we shouldn't extend them on the fifth year option. Um, let me ask you this next year. You're, you're, you're into the cap next year. The cap traditionally goes up by what? 10%. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's I, What is it now? Say, we'll just, say 10%. That's we'll say easy. 10%. Yeah. I don't remember the exact number. I don't have it in front of me. I can and look this it year up. It's 208. This year it's 208. So next year it'll be I about. I think it's going to be 225 next year. I think right, that's we'll say 225. 225. Yeah. So about 8%, 10%. So add 8%, 10% on top of Austin Johnson's contract this year. He got a contract for $7 million a season. In next year's market, that will be worth about eight or eight and a half million. You're telling me Dexter Lawrence is not worth a million and a half more million dollars than Austin Johnson? I beg to differ. And it's only a one year commitment. So it's not like you're extending this guy for three, four, five years. I think it does make sense for the New York Giants to extend Dexter Lawrence on the fifth-year option. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't because they didn't draft the guy. And, and you know, maybe they drafted an interior defensive lineman early in this year's draft. Um, but I, I do think it could make financial sense. The The market for the def- interior defensive line was much higher this offseason than I thought it would be. Yeah, and then that's a really good point, by the way. The, say you're learning the salary cap. You've been hanging around me, and you're learning the salary <laughs> cap. Good good show, my friend. All right. Uh, I, I think, J.C. Silver, you asked it who the, the Seahawks quarterback is. It's Geno Smith and, and Drew Locke, right, Chris? Do I have that right? Well, I, think that, I think you're right on that, yes. Didn't they just sign uh, – I think they just signed um, – Well, they traded for Locke, and I think – Yeah, they, they traded for Locke, uh, the, uh, the Russell Wilson trade. And uh, they just signed Gino, I think, to a one-year deal. So I think that's their quarterback rotation. They might have a third guy on there. I don't know. But um, but anyway. They get a veteran, too. They could end up with uh, – yeah, you know, I don't know what their cap situation is. but they could I don't know with, either. But, you know, Baker Mayfield is still out Mayfield, there. You know, he's going to land someplace. You know, Jimmy G, there's options. Jimmy G, exactly. All right. Let's see. Uh, Frankie G says, I'm so confused. Why are we trading Bradbury? All right, Frankie, obviously they haven't traded Bradbury yet. But the – the crux of the problem is his salary cap number. He's at, 20, I think it's $21.7 million. 
they cannot carry that number. They are still top heavy, which means that they have, I think, three guys, I want to say, who are making 20 million or more on the cap. That is considered top heavy. And the way you, you calculate this, Frankie, is you look at the top five contracts and you add that up and you determine what percentage of the cap they represent. And if it's more than 35%, the team is top heavy. And I think right now the Giants are still a tad top heavy. They've got Leonard Williams, obviously. Now they redid Adoree Jackson, but just an overall mess. You know, I, I, I thought they would be able to clean a lot of it up. I think they will be in better condition next year, but this year... I don't know where the heck they're going to get the money. I did write an article for Giants Country saying here's a possibility where they can get it in addition to Bradbury's. If you guys want to check it out, GiantsCountry.com. But I'll tell you what, I don't envy Shane. And that's that's a big reason why, folks, when I say I don't know how good of a year the Giants are going to have this year, that's driving it in a way because they, they just haven't been able to do what they need to do in order well, to make this work. Frankie. I mean, think about it. I'm just going to tell you straight up, Frankie, we're not keeping Bradbury. Um, Bradbury has not shown up to voluntary training camp for a reason. He's been mentioned in trade several times for a reason. The New York Giants are trying to get something for him. They're trying they're trying to find some kind of market for him. And the, the explanation is simple. It's not because he's a bad player. It's because Joe Shane inherited a horrible cap situation. And he's got one of two options. Sure, he could keep James Bradbury. But let me ask you, is it worth it to further commit yourself to other players on this roster that you have nothing to do with by backloading contracts, guys like Leonard Williams, guys like Kenny Galladay. Um, the answer is no. It is not in the best interest of this football team to backload other contracts to retain James Bradbury for one year. He's going to be a free agent after this year anyway. You're not competing for a Super Bowl. It's in the best interest of the New York Giants, as sad as it may sound, to move off of James Bradbury. It just is. They can't even afford to uh, pay their draft picks right now. It's going to save you $10.5, $11 million if you were to trade them. And even then, we're probably going to have to do one or two other small things uh, to be able to pay the draft pick. So James Bradbury is not going to be here. Um, and I think had they had they already been able to get what they wanted, he, are, he already would have been traded. But I think at some point he's going to be traded. I don't expect him to be, to be back as a giant. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is teams are waiting to see how the board falls. If somebody needs a cornerback and they don't get the type of cornerback that they want, then maybe a market's going to open up. But yeah, they worst case scenario, they they restructure him and they do the old Brandon Myers approach. For those who don't remember what they did with Brandon Myers several years ago, they signed him to a multi-year contract. But the last three, I think it was four years total. The last three years were voidable, but they they added that on so they could spread out the um, the signing bonus. I don't think if I'm Shane, I want to carry a contract through 2025. But in my projection that I did on Giants Country, that was the best way to do it because that way I kept the numbers down. Yeah. So I mean, I've seen really the option, and and and, uh, and Shane has already come out and said that he he doesn't want to do that, and he's already no. done it a little bit. And that's uh, how they got in this mess to begin with by by yeah. doing all these restructures. So I I just don't see it making a whole lot of sense. I I he, it makes sense on the field. But long term, it doesn't make them. Uh, it doesn't make much sense for the football team, and I think Shane's looking at it long term. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you on that. All right, want to send a shout out to Big Blue for Life Fifty Seven Ortiz. I don't know if you're from my Instagram account. I put a note on my Instagram account at Patty Traina for those uh-huh. of you who uh, want to follow me on Instagram because I'm really trying to step up my Instagram game here. I'm trying to post stuff, videos, uh, photos, behind the scenes. So as I've been mentioning. Um, you know, on the little banner that you see at the bottom periodically throughout this podcast, I've been uh, 
trying to step that up. And I'm going to have hopefully on-site reports, pictures, video clips, all kinds of cool stuff on Instagram. There'll also be stuff on Twitter. And then I will be doing short reports here on the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm going to be a busy little beaver. (laughs) (laughs) And I haven't even talked about writing yet, too. My gosh, I'm getting tired just thinking of it. I better make sure I get a nap and and eat eat my Wheaties tomorrow or something. (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right. Let's see. We have any. Oh, here we go. Here's one from Marcos Aguilar. I keep hearing Malik Giants from fans. Marcos, I don't see it happening. I know some fans want Malik Willis. I do not see them taking a quarterback. Look, they've committed to Daniel Jones for this year. They want to see what they have in him. Fix the offensive line. Hope that, you know, Shane, I'm sorry, the Dable system is creative enough to get Kenny Galladay, you know, set him free in the offense, get Kadarius Toney on, on track, get Saquon Barkley on track. If Jones flops again, then next year you've got a better selection, I think, of quarterbacks that I think the Giants will, will probably look to invest in if Daniel Jones flops this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm in complete agreement. I would, I would, I said it today. Uh, I would be more surprised if the Giants took a quarterback this year than if they did in 2019. In 2019, I kind of expected it, just not at six. Um, I would be more surprised this year if they took a quarterback. I don't see it happening. You signed Terod Taylor as well to a pretty you know, hefty contract for a backup, six, six and a half million dollars. You got Daniel Jones still on the roster. Um, he doesn't really carry much trade value. So I, I don't see it. I don't think they're going to draft the quarterback. And I, I think, like you said, it's about setting up the team where next year you could either get a guy that is a much higher, more highly thought of quarterback prospect, or if you have to take a guy like Malik Willis in 2023, who's more of a high upside, but a guy that's kind of a project, at least then he comes into a better situation than he would this year if you start to, you know, fix up this offensive line and fix the team around him. So I just don't think it's the right year to take a quarterback, especially being that there's no Trevor Lawrence in this draft. There's no, um, you know, Justin Herbert in this draft. This mm-hmm. is totally a weaker quarterback draft class. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Amen to that. All right. JC Silver wants to know, what's the snack choice for the draft? <laughs> I don't know. It depends on what the Giants give us. I mean, for me, I probably won't snack. I'm trying not to eat after 7 o'clock because I'm doing fasting, intermittent fasting an effort to shed a few pounds, get into shape for training camp. You know, Dexter Lawrence isn't the only one who came into the, the offseason the, uh, a little out of, out of shape. The Calvin Benjamin diet? The what? The Calvin, Calvin Benjamin diet? Calvin Benjamin. Last year he said he had to lose like 15 pounds and he gained like 10. Uh, <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my snack for the – I'll probably have pizza before the draft tomorrow. I haven't decided yet, but, yeah, I'll have something. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to do something with chicken or I don't know. It depends on what my husband wants to eat. I'll probably eat before I go to the draft. Draft starts at eight. So I'll probably eat before that and just call it a day. And if I snack on anything, it'll be fruit because I absolutely love fruit. All right, Chris, while we're waiting for more questions to come in, let's talk about the second round pick because this to me is also, a, you know, it's not getting enough, I think, discussion, but it is just as important, obviously. Well, they're all important, the picks, but the second-round pick is going to be a pivotal one for the Giants. What do you think they do with that second-round pick? What would you like to see them do, and what do you think realistically they might do? All right, give me, give me – what did they do with five and seven, and then I'll give you my answer. All right, five, they take an offensive tackle, mm-hmm. and let's say seven, they take a cornerback. Okay. Um, I think at 36 at that point, I'm looking at one of three positions. If they took the corner and they and – they, 
and they took uh, the uh, offensive tackle. I'm looking at potentially an interior offensive lineman, but probably not. It would take one of the top three interior offensive linemen to fall to 36, which I don't see happening. That being Linderbaum, that being the two ta- uh, guards rather that everybody are talking about, Kenyon Green and Zion, uh, Zion Johnson. So I don't think that's going to happen. I doubt any of those guys get to 36. So if they're all off the board, then I turn to either wide receiver, which is a possibility, probably not my preference, but it's a possibility, safety. I look at a guy like Petre. I look at a guy like um, Brisker out of Penn State. I think he's a nice in-the-box safety prospect. Or um, what's the other position I wanted? To, I said, cor- I, I said, uh, I, oh, edge. I, I look at edge at that point. I look at the kid from Penn State. Uh, Beak Day, however it's pronounced, or Benito. I think both of those guys are potential second-round day two prospects that the Giants can take at 36. I think any of those names are in play. I probably slightly le- uh, lean towards the edge, but it's very hard to project because we don't know which players are going to drop uh, wh- where the New York Giants are picking at 36. Yeah. Now, for me, I would say I would like to see a nose tackle, you know, because that is still a need. Yeah. Um, they do have Justin Ellis, but he signed to the one-year deal. Get a nose tackle in, you know, somebody who, who's not just a zero tech, but also a one tech. Maybe you can even move them out to a three tech, you know, but just get somebody who can play that zero and one tech spots. Um, you know, I'd like to see that. I mean, I would like to see maybe a center if Tyler Linderbaum somehow falls down to the Giants at that, which I don't think he will, by the way. I think Linderbaum's going to go in, in, in the back end of the first round, which is why I wouldn't mind seeing them trade up for, you know, a guy like that. Um I don't think I would go receiver, but I might go safety at, yeah, with the second, or, or, in the second um, round. Petre. Another another name I should have mentioned, I saw Corey, I think, mentioned in the chat. I didn't think about it because he's hurt, but he's a possibility. He's a stash guy, Ojabo. Ojabo was a mm-hmm. – I don't know if he'll get there. I don't know if he'll go later. I don't know where he's going to go because he's hurt. But he was a guy that a lot of people thought the Giants could take at seven, if you would have asked, you know, two months ago. So I think he's a, an interesting candidate at 36 as well. I don't know about Ojabo. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. The two mocks that, that we ran over on Giants Country, we ran, we actually ran um, the Fan Nation publishers. And then uh, we've got one mock that was written by one of my writers, one of my my scouting writers. Um, and he had Ojabo going to Kansas City because I, Kansas City just seems to be more in a position, you know, to you me, Ojabo might be in, in the second round, Chris. I, I know he's going to get better but i'm looking for guys to come in and instantly make an impact i don't know if i want to redshirt another guy already you know you, you're redshirting matt Parrott, you're redshirting sterling shepherd i know they're different positions but how many of these guys are you going to carry that aren't going to be able to contribute to the back end of the year i mean yeah. I, I, it's I'm fair. Oh, fair. I mean he's got an achilles injury um you would have to be really high on him uh to, to do that because you're basically punting his first year. You'd, you'd have to be really high on him to do that. And you're probably right. Uh, very early second round is probably a bit early for a yeah. player. Injury. I think he's going to go in the second, but probably I mid, think so too. late second. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. But I don't know, you know, look, if he hadn't been injured, I might, I might say yes, but the giants, they got, they got to hit the ground running. And I know, even though I, I keep saying, I don't think the giants are going to do anything necessarily this year, but you know, Still, get everything solidified, get everybody to where they're playing fast by the end of the year, and you're seeing some growth week after week after week. So, all right, let's take a question here from Float Jones. Any chance you think the Giants could trade up to secure a player they really want? Neil Sauce, et cetera. 
Uh, no, float. I don't see it happening. You know, again, cap situation. And then you now you've got to give up assets. And the, this team needs all the assets they, that it can get. I, I, I just don't see that as a, as, a, as a scenario. I mean, Chris, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I'm completely against that idea. Um, I, I just, I, I, we were talking about, I was talking about this the other day on uh, my channel when I was doing a midday stream. If the Giants were to say to trade up for three to get sauce or, you know, whatever, you run the risk of not being able to get a tackle, uh, you know, at seven. Plus, you'd be giving away future draft capital. Um, I just think the Giants are in a position where they need as many players as they could as they could get. We have so many holes on this roster. I'm not looking to give away draft capital to move up, especially in a draft where it's not known as like the richest draft class. And 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 we need future draft capital. We don't need to give it away, especially being that we may need a quarterback in 2023. So if anything, I'm looking to trade down. I'm not looking to trade up. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. All right, let's see. This one is from Sujith LJ. I hope I said that right. Are you worried that too many teams are looking to get a quarterback next year? Sujith, I think I would worry more about that next year. I'm not concerned about it right now because you just don't know about movement. I mean, last year, if I had told you Baker Mayfield might be available via draft, would you have believed me? You probably would have said, no way. You know, they were yeah. coming off of a of a playoff. So you just don't know what's going to happen and who's going to get what in, in uh, free agency, you know, will some of the quarterbacks this year work out? So I think it's a little premature to sit here and start wringing your hands over that. Um, you know, I think. I think it's a fair concern, but yeah. I, I like you, like you said, I'm not thinking about it right now. Um, I think the fact that uh, I forgot who it was that asked that, but I think the fact that you've seen all these teams do that, get future draft capital. They are thinking that way. The Eagles got future draft capital. There was two, one or two other teams that got future draft capital as well. They are thinking that way, and you've seen teams kind of get stopgap quarterbacks. Washington rings a bell by getting Carson Wentz instead of electing to potentially draft a quarterback, so they're potentially opening to get a, getting a quarterback. The Seahawks was a team that got future draft capital by trading away Wilson, so I do think there's going to be teams looking to get a quarterback, and they see the writing on the wall. They know this is a poor draft class, and they're looking ahead, you know, ahead to the future for a stronger quarterback draft class, but you can't, you can't you, you worry about that next year. Yeah. You worry about that next year. Cause like you said, you don't know how it's going to play out. What, what if the giants win three games and we don't even got to think about potentially trading up. Cause we're picking, picking in the right spot. I, I'm not worried about it. What if Daniel Jones takes off? You got, you got to take it one year at a time uh, before, you, you know, I, I start to dive into next year's draft. Would I like the insurance if possible? Absolutely. Um, if you could, you know, you find a good trade in this draft to get yourself another first round pick. But it's not something I'm I'm really worried about right now. And if the Giants need a quarterback, that means Daniel Jones is going to have a bad year more than likely. And if Daniel Jones has a bad year, we're going to win five, six, seven games. If we win five, six, seven games, you'll be able to find a way, in my opinion, to be able to move up and get one of those top quarterbacks if need be. You might have to give up a future first and your second round, but there'll be a way to be able to do it. I'm not worried about it until such time uh, I see how Daniel Jones plays this year and I see where we're picking in the uh, 2023 draft. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, comment here for something we said earlier. Amazing guy. You can't pick up Lawrence's option if you decline Jones's. is not a good look. Amazing guy. It doesn't matter. You know, this yeah, is a business. A yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not personal. It, it's like, you know, that's like saying, well, if you're going to give Jones a, you know, a million, you know, a $20 million contract, you should really give it to Tyrod Taylor and Davis Webb because it's not a good look if they don't get, you know, or maybe not the quarterback. Maybe, you know, it's like saying you should pay all the offensive linemen the same 
amount. Yeah, it, that that doesn't matter, my friend. I'm sorry, I disagree with you there. Yeah, I'm, um, gonna, I'm gonna disagree as well. I, yeah, it's it's doesn't he didn't draft either one of these players. I'm gonna yeah. let him make a decision on who he feels should be retained and who shouldn't be. Okay, all right. This one is from Chino. Wants to know who what's more important, wide receiver or tight end? It's a good question. It's a good um, question. I'll let you take this one first, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I the first thing I'll say is I think it depends on the scheme that your that that your offense runs. I think the scheme we run definitely wide receiver. Um, but if you look at a team like the 49ers, I mean, George Kittle is so vital to that team. The way that they utilize him as a tight end, you could say the same thing about Travis Kelsey with the Chiefs. But um, you look at the way Buffalo ran their offense; it's certainly the wide receiver. The tight end isn't heavily involved in that offense. Now, you definitely need good tight ends, specifically tight ends that can block. Um, something that Evan Ingram was not able to do here during his tenure here with the New York Giants. They're both really important. Um, and again, in certain um, systems, I may argue the tight end's more important, but for the system that I think Brian Dable is going to run with the New York Giants, um, I would I would definitely say a wide receiver. You know, I just, just to add to that, um, Stephen Lebitz over on Giants Country put up an article. Uh, I think the title, I'm trying to remember what the headline was. It's the, what's the one thing the Giants can't afford to do. I think I think that's the title. It was, it was an article about wide receivers. He found this report, this study about wide receivers and the success rate of receivers in the first round versus second round, third round, and so forth. Check it out. It's over on Giants Country. It's in one of the, the headers there. I forget the exact headline. This just goes to show you how much writing I'm doing when I can't even remember the headline I wrote earlier this after earlier today. But um I would say receiver is more important just based on what we know about a, the tight end class this year, you know, look, they've got Ricky Seals Jones, who's going to be, I think their blocker, this, this guy that they just picked up Aikens, I think is more of a receiver. They're going to probably draft another tight end because they're going to need somebody for the long term because both Seals Jones and Aikens are on one year deals. But look, you look at what Buffalo ran, you look at what um, Kansas city ran, they basically lived on 11 personnel. I th and, and again, in, this is in the article I referenced, but off the top of my head, I think Buffalo was the fifth, used 11 personnel, the fifth most of all the NFL teams. And I want to say Kansas City was seventh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. The, it, they were top 10. So that to me says, you know, look for a lot of 11 personnel, look for a lot of use of the receivers now, if the receivers don't stay healthy, obviously that all goes out the window. But I would think you, with this receiver class being as deep as it is, maybe you want to get both. You know, you definitely need a tight end, but also see if you can't pick up another receiver. Because, look, next year you're not going to have Sterling Shepard because he's got a voidable year. Um, I'm just trying to think. Darius Slayton's in a contract year. If he and there's even, rumors you know, we're going to trade him. If, 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 right, exactly. If they trade him, which I don't know if they will or not, because what would they actually get for him? I mean, maybe a but, fifth, maybe, yeah. maybe a seventh round, you know, a conditional seventh rounder. Not getting but, the point, yeah. but the point is, is you got two guys who aren't going to, you know, probably not going to be here next year. So, you know, receivers generally considered a position that guys can pick up quickly, but, you know, you, do you want to bring them in and do you want to maybe break them in on special teams? I, I don't know. I mean, but right now I would say, Tight, you know, I would say receiver for the scheme, but tight end for the numbers would be my pick. How's that yeah. for an answer? Good answer. I think wide receivers looked at as the more premium position overall, but I think it's circumstantial. It depends on the type of offense you're running. But, you know, I would say wide receivers probably at this point, probably the second or third highest paid position in the sport, which I actually think it's a little too high at this point, but it's certainly one of the more important positions, probably top four or five 
uh, positions in the sport. Tight ends, both positions, you can kind of get value historically in the draft. Uh, you look at a lot of the top wide receivers, Tyree Kill, Michael Thomas, uh, Devontae Adams. None of those guys are first-round picks. Tight ends, George Kittle was a fifth-round pick. So historically speaking, you get value at both positions. But I would say a high-end wide receiver is is more valuable than, than a tight end. But if you have an elite tight end like a George Kittle, that guy's just as valuable as anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, there is no George Kittle, I don't think, in this class. No, but... no, no, no. no. <laughs> if you can get one like that, maybe next year. I don't know. But yeah. anyway, folks, I do need to run two quick commercials. I'm going to run one now and then one a little later. This one's real quick. We'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast, a live edition with the entertainer. But first, Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but without the calories and sugar. Most Built Bars contain about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, and they taste great. Built Bar offers nine amazing flavors in nut and nut-free variety, plus a rotating limited time offering of different flavors that changes up every so many weeks. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and see what their current flavor lineup looks like and use our special promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your first order. That's code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. All right, we are back here on the Locked on Giants podcast. You got Trina and the Tana. Love it. I love it. One of my favorite guests. Love talking ball with this guy. We're going to have to do this after the draft, man. I'm sure there's going to be a lot. I'm sure emotions are going to be flying like crazy. Oh, it'll be funny to talk about. Oh, yeah. After Saturday, there'll be plenty to talk about. Oh, yeah. And then we'll also have maybe some, some undrafted free agents to talk about, but so much coming up. Going to be a busy. The, um, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm just thinking, what's the uh, schedule for the Giants after the draft? When's the um... rookie mini camp is going to be? Hold on, I'll tell you the exact dates because I have that here. I just got to look it up. Uh, 13th, 14th, and I think they have half a day on the 15th. But okay. media access, I believe, is going to be 13 and 14. Okay, so so I don't know what time schedule. of day it is, but. Uh, Schedule you know, comes out too around then too. I think mid May, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. The, well, the schedule comes out. I think on the twelfth. Oh, twelfth. Okay. So that's going to be a busy weekend for sure. So yeah, okay, well, 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 it's another talk. busy weekend, right? Keeps me out of trouble. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get back to some of your questions here, JC Silva. What's the one position of need you can see Shane bypassing in this draft? I'm going to say inside linebacker. I could see that. I mean, I could see. I could say to be honest with you outside of the tackle and probably corner and more than likely edge. Um, I could see any position. I, I say it all the time. Like don't, you cannot expect the New York Giants to fill all their needs in this draft uh, or even close to it. We have nine picks um, and we have so many needs on this football team, but yeah, I could see linebacker. I could see tight end, even wide receiver. Um, I will, you know, I, I don't expect it, but even edge is, is I, at least a slight possibility. Like I, I, I the Giants, I think are just going to take the best possible players they have on their board. And whatever position they play, especially as the draft goes along, that's the position they play. So I don't expect them to fill every need in this draft. I think it's going to take three years for them to fill all their needs. It's going to take us some time uh, to build this th- uh, team through the draft. So, yeah, linebacker is definitely a possibility. Yeah, I, I I think that would probably be the one, you know, they can get by on. But, you know, let me ask you, you mentioned edge. We still don't know exactly what they have in Ellerson Smith and how he's mm-hmm. going to be deployed. O'Shane Ximenez is still on this roster, which, you know, he's a guy that I think I know I, I thought might 
be a, a salary cap cut. Mm -hmm. um, does that maybe indicate to you that they could be thinking of keeping these guys and deploying them as edge rushers and maybe bypassing an edge rusher? I mean, I, I don't want to well, see it myself. I, I just pulled up the giant step chart. You've got Leonard, Leonard Williams is on the, uh, on the line. You got He's Quincy on the Rose. line, but I'm talking outside linebackers here. Yeah, Quincy Roche. Uh, Roche. There's Odell. no Batman among them. But, you yeah. know, can they get by? In other words, you know, if you're based on what you know about Wink Martindale's defense down in, in uh, Baltimore when he ran it, yeah. he put more of an emphasis, I thought, on the back end than he did on the front end. I could be Definitely wrong did. there. Definitely did. Yeah. Um, so I'm just wondering if maybe they say, OK, you know what? Maybe we can get by without a Batman pass rusher. Which you know, again, I would like one. I would if Thibodeau was there, I, I would love him, regardless of you know any issues or concerns they might have about his personality. I mean, he would be the first quirky guy to walk through that door, and he won't be the last. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, listen. In, in an ideal world, I want them to take an edge rusher, and I would be at least moderately surprised if they didn't. But I'm leaving it open to all possibilities because, like you said, I don't view this as the uh, type of defense that is going to prioritize an edge rusher. I think Wink's going to be a guy that feels like he can generate pressure through his blitzing scheme, through strong coverage. I think they're going to prioritize the back end. And when you factor in that we're going to lose Bradbury, I think that's going to be their primary focus. Now, like you said, if Kayvon Thibodeau is there and they have a high grade on him, they can take him. Don't get me wrong. But anything could happen in this draft with all the needs that we have. Um, don't be surprised if at the end of the draft, a lot of Giants fans watching this are complaining and saying, how did you not address this position? Because there's so many needs on this team that, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago, the Giants took four linebackers in their last five picks. And people were like, what were you doing? You needed this, 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 and this. Giants are going to take the best player on their board, and they're going to try to fill the needs. But in an ideal world, yeah, I'd like to come out of this trip with an edge. I'd like to come out of this trip with a receiver. I'd like to come out of this trip with, obviously, a right tackle, with a safety, with a cornerback. Um, but you might not, you know, so you, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what we end up with. For sure. Definitely. All right. Uh, let's see. Fabian says, what up, lady and Jen? Fabian, what's going on? Thank you so much for spending the night with us, part of the night with us at any rate. Uh, let's see. Nick Neymar, Seckhorn. Will we draft Sauce Gardner and trade James Bradbury? Um, Bradbury, I don't see staying at his current number. Yeah. I really don't. Um, will they trade him? They got to find a market for him. Shane's not going to give this guy away for a song and a dance. Will they draft Sauce Gardner? That depends if he's on the board. You know, you're talking probably at seven. I don't know if Sauce is going to make it down to seven. And if he doesn't, do the Giants have Stingley rated a little higher? You know, Coach Gene Clemens, who has been on this podcast before and who also writes for me over in Giants country, did a comparison, Sauce or Stingley, he thinks Stingley is the better of the two options for what it's worth. So, I mean, I don't know the, the answer because, like I said, I don't know if the Giants are going to stay put at seven or if they're going to trade down. I think if they are at seven and Sauce is there and they have a choice between Sauce and an edge rusher and, and Stingley, I could see them going with Stingley. I mean, that doesn't mean I'd like it, but I could I see it happening. I wouldn't be shocked, but if you ask me right now if Sauce is there, are they going to take him at seven? I would say, yeah, I think he's probably the favorite. If if he's there at seven, I don't know if he's going to be there. He might go three. He might go four. Um, but if you ask me right now, I am – and, you know, maybe my opinion will change leading up into the draft. But right now today, 
I am going to say I am locked in to thinking tackle at five, cornerback at seven. I think I'm committed to that belief. I think they're going to go with a tackle, and they're going to take either Stingley or Sauce at seven. Um, I think they'll probably have Sauce above them, but we'll have to wait and see. But that's kind of where my head's at right now. I think they're going to go with tackle in a corner. But, of course, players could drop. Crazy things could happen. But that's my thought process going in. I think they're going to feel the need to prioritize that secondary, especially with Bradbury leaving. Right. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Tommy for one. Tommy, I think that's how you say that. Do we really think taking both O-line and O-line or O-line, D-line, vice versa, how long will it take to get to compete and make a run now if we get Willis the explosive ass? Okay. The Giants aren't drafting Malik Willis. I'm, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. I don't see that happening. Not in the first round. I, 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 they've committed to Daniel Jones. They've signed Tyrod Taylor. They've got Davis Webb to kind of serve as that player coach. I just don't see Malik Willis getting drafted by this team. Um, how long will it take for the Giants to compete? Here's the thing. I mean, look, they've got a lot of holes. They've got to fill these holes. They've got a new system. They've got a new coaching staff. Everybody's kind of ha- get used to each other. It's going to take some time for everything to gel. Yeah. I want to see, ideally, linear progress once the season starts. They may start off slow, but I want to see them get better each and every week. And if I see them going like this, then I'm like, okay, we've got a problem here. you know. And, and I'm assuming everybody stays healthy. But I think you want to start and build the foundation because the foundation last year was was kind of wrecked by the injuries and also by, I think, the scheme that was holding them back on offense. Yeah, I, I can't uh, disagree with anything that you said, and it's, it's hard for me to get, come up with an answer of when I know they're going to compete. Um, like you, it's it, it's really uh, beating a dead horse at this point. Um, I uh, Even if you think you should take Wills, I don't think we're taking a quarterback. So, um, But as far as when, when is this team going to compete, for me it comes down to Daniel Jones in terms of the ETA. Um, if Daniel Jones takes a big step up this year, I'll expect to compete in 2023. Um, if Daniel Jones does not, I'll say 2024 is the earliest because then you're going to have a rookie quarterback more than likely. So a lot of that comes down to the progression of Jones and and obviously the improvements on the rest of this roster. So you're probably looking at 2024 unless Jones takes a big leap this year. Yeah. All right. Now, somebody said to look at a shoddy tweet. I've got to look that up, see what, what he had to say. But let, let me get to another question here. Uh, Tara Jackson, how do you guys feel about Garen Wilson to the Giants at seven? I saw a lot of people in the chat asking that. I don't know if there's yeah. been a recent rumor that the Giants are interested in potentially doing that. Um, would I scream if they did it? I, I, I'm not going to scream. Um, is it my preference? No, I don't want them to take a wide receiver at seven. Now, if they okay. trade it down to the mid for you know, 12, mm-hmm. I'm more open to doing that. But I, I don't think I want to take a wide receiver at seven. I think at seven, I want to take – either the cornerback or the edge uh, after we take our tackle. That's that's my mindset. I think you could get good wide receivers at 36 if you really want to take a wide receiver. There's a lot of good wide receivers in this draft class. You could get a guy potentially like Jahan Dotson, who I, I have going to the Chiefs in the back end of the first, but he could easily sl- – there's there's a number of guys uh, that you could take in that second-round area. So, for me, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm leaning more on the defensive side with that other pick um, after we take the tackle. Okay, now uh, somebody again said to look at Shoddy's tweet. That would be Michael Shoddy, who I think is with 3013. Uh, I think this is the tweet that is being referenced. Source close to the situation in Jacksonville tells me that Trayvon Walker will be the pick tomorrow night. Ooh. 
Stand up, New York Giant fans. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. That's good. That's good. Oh, I mean, if that happens, boy, you might hear that. You know, I kind of, it was, it, was lean, it was starting to lean that that was going to be the case, but it's good that we're starting to get clarification that that may very well be the pick, and I'm happy. I think it's a bit of a reach. I would not mind Walker at five or seven, but uh, I'm happy he's going top four if it means somebody else gets kicked back down. So I think Giant fans will be happy about that news. Yeah, yeah, that that and plus that means Hutchinson. You figure one of Hutchinson and and Thib Thibodeau might pull. But again, at five, I'm going offensive tackle. I'm not messing around. Now, if all three offensive tackles are still on the board at five, and I have equal grades. Now, I think I've explained this before on the pod, but if I haven't, let me just quick explain it. The Giants always say they go with best available. We know that is a myth. So the way that works is the Giants might have a cluster of players that have similar grades that are only separated by like a decimal point. So let's say the three offensive tackles are on the board and one is it's graded um, 97.8, one is graded 97.5 and one is graded 97.1. All right. At that point, it becomes, you know, I'd go yeah, it, I'm sorry. I said offensive tackles, three players, that oh, you know, okay. an offensive tackle with edge and 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 say uh, a safety. All right, okay. that's when need factors in. You know, because the, the grades are so close together, that's when you have need. So the real question is, is how many cluster groups did they have on their board? And that's where you can kind of figure out. It's a, it, it's amazing. You know, I'll have to see if Shane would answer that question. I don't think he would, but it might be worth asking at the end of the draft. How many situations did you have where you had a cluster of players? with similar grades, and then we can try and maybe figure things out from there. So I'll have to try to remember to slip that question in. Yeah, I heard a report uh, or, or something, on, I think it was on Twitter today, that they said that the Giants have a grouping of about seven or even up to upwards of about nine or ten players that they really like right now, um, and they're not, they're not necessarily dying to trade down. So it'll be interesting to see. I think if all three tackles get past four, which is possible, um, especially if a guy like Trayvon Walker goes first, you, you, the Lions aren't going tackle. If Houston does not go tackle, which I have them penciled to do, but they could easily go edge rusher. They could go with a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau. They could go Sauce Gardner. And if the Jets don't go tackle, if none of the tackles go in the top four, that's when I think you wait till pick seven. To, unless you, you know, unless you value one of the tackles so much higher than the other two, then you go. Then you just take your tackle at five. But if they're all like you said, kind of clustered together, I would go defense actually first at five. And then get my tackle at seven. Mm, okay. Uh, let's see. NY Giants 26. Why is Daniel Jeremiah all of a sudden mocking Garrett Wilson to the Giants? Does he know something we don't? So that must have been what it was. That's why everybody's asking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's probably what it is. Um, sure. I don't know. Maybe it's a smoke screen. Could be a smoke screen. I mean, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I'm gonna, Maybe I'm gonna, I shouldn't I'm be. Gonna Maybe I shouldn't right be. Now. But... He's got... Let me see his first four. He's got Trayvon Walker. He's got, oh, sorry. Let me turn. I don't know why he's doing. He's got Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Icky, Sauce, Evan Neal, Cross, and Garrett Wilson. He's got Garrett Wilson of the New York Giants. Hmm. I don't know, man. Does that make sense to you? I, don't I mean, all right. I, I'm trying to make sense. I don't love it, but I'm trying to make sense of it. The way that I could see why Joe Shane, if he were to go that route, would do that would be like, listen, I'm trying to evaluate my quarterback and I'm trying to build this team up potentially for the guy, the quarterback I'm going to draft next year. 
Let me get his tackle. Let me make sure I got him a primary weapon at the wide receiver spot. So from that standpoint, it, I'm trying to make sense of it. And they would have to feel, for them to justify taking Garrett Wilson for me with the other needs that are on this roster and the fact that you spent $18 million a year last year on Galladay, you spent a first-round pick on Tony last year, for you to justify taking a wide receiver seventh overall in this year's draft, he better be Jamar Chase. He better be a high-end number one wide receiver if you're if you're spending that high of a draft pick in this year's draft class and you're bypassing some of the other needs on this football team. Um, so you better think really highly about him if you're taking him that early. Could be, you know, they saw what happened in Cincinnati. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. what they're thinking. But, you know, and then, you know, just to add to that, Frankie G says Adam Schefter on his podcast said that the Giants like like Wilson. I, I mean, the Giants like a lot of guys, but do they like them enough to say, hey, we're going to draft them? I, I I just don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, to me, receivers a need, but is it, you know, more of a need than safety? Is it more of a need than tight end? Is it more of a need than, than you know, edge or, or cornerback? I, I, I don't think I can say that. I mean, but then again, that's not, you know, that's they why I don't get paid. Need, they might not draft for need. Um, I won't be beyond shocked if they do something like that. I don't expect it. There's, a, I, I expect a corner before it. I, I expect an edge before it. Um, if they trade down, I think Garrett Wilson could be in play. If Garrett Wilson was there, if they trade down, even if they traded down to nine, it's more plausible. But I, I don't think they would do it at seven. But I've been surprised before. I mean, I didn't think they would take Eli Apple at ten either, and they did. So I've been surprised. Panic pick. Yeah, well, it was certainly a panic pick. The John—they absolutely wanted Conklin. Conklin, uh, somebody I think traded up to take him, and then uh, Jerry Reese was just like, "Oh crap, what are we gonna do?" <laughs> yeah, I, th I think they wasn't that the draft. Floyd was also available in that Floyd, draft yeah. too. Yeah. So they two two guys they wanted, and was like, "Oh crap, we got to do something." Yeah, I remember yeah. that very well. Panic pick, but yeah. uh, all right, let's see. Uh, Frankie G says, "Do you think Slayton will be traded?" Again, what do you what do you think he's worth? I mean, this is a guy who's had who's been banged up, hasn't been able to really build on his rookie season. I mean, at this point, if you get a conditional seventh for him, is it worth it? I mean, maybe because you're getting something for him, but I I don't know, man. I I don't think I wouldn't do it. I mean, I I mean, based off the amount of money, he doesn't make a whole lot of money. I mean, he only actually, I think he does. I think isn't he? A, I think million. he's a two point five two and a half million. Which counts, you know, for a team. It to counts, but yeah. based on some of the, I mean, Christian Kirk's getting twenty-two million dollars a year. Mm. Um, so, so for a team that may view him as a wide receiver three, they may like, all right, he's not making a whole lot of money. He's still young. He's got speed. He's got height. Maybe you could get a fifth-round pick for him. I definitely don't think you would get more than that. I'd probably put his market around the five to six-round range. Um, and at that point, with all the, the way I look at it is, if you can't get at least a fifth-round pick for him. Why not just keep him on the roster? With all the wide receivers on this team that are injury prone, I mean, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, like we need depth at that position. So unless you plan on drafting a couple of wide receivers in this year's draft, which I suppose is possible, I don't – I would just keep him rather than get like a fifth or sixth round pick for the guy. Because the way I look yeah. at it is this. You could actually potentially – like let's say under the hypothetical scenario, Galladay gets hurt week four – and Darius Slayton is pressed into a, you know, a more expanded role. If he has 900 yards and seven or eight touchdowns similar to his rookie year, he may get a pretty big contract out in free agency with some of the contracts you see these wide receivers are getting. And you may get a decent comp pick for him. So if you're not getting at least a fifth round pick with all the, with all the injury play players we have at that position, just keep them on the roster. 
Um, and and because he's at least a solid wide receiver for. So I don't really see the the the, the need to do it uh, if you're only going to get like a sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, I, and that's a good point. They're not going to have Shepard for probably till midpoint of the year, I would think, because remember he's coming off that what what was it Achilles? So you know, yeah, they I said, I think they said he was, they, I think they said he was going to be potentially training with the team before the year starts, but like you said, I'm not expecting him to start the year. Yeah, you know, game one, I, he's going to probably start on pup, I would think. Would yeah, be my guess. So, all right, let's see. Jake's dad, what is a typical day one of the draft like for you, Patty? Calls, videos, print, etc. Oh man, I'm going to get tired just talking about it. Um, well, this year we're back in the facility. So uh, basically we sit in, in uh, our little press room and, you know, just watch the draft on the, on the video monitor. And then when the pick comes in, you do a quick hit for the, uh, for the website, Giants Country. Um, then a lot of times they, you know, if there's no pick right after that, which this year there, there might be. Uh, you get hustled into the auditorium for the pressers. Then you get the, the uh, draft pick on the conference call. So you got to do that. Um, then you got to transcribe all that stuff. And then uh, for me also now, I've got to come back and I've got to do a quick hit for Locked on Giants. Um, I probably have to jump on a radio spot here and there. So it's a busy night. It really is. And, uh, you know, I don't usually take naps during the day if I can help it. I think tomorrow I'm going to probably take a nice long nap at some point. So if you don't hear from me on Twitter or something breaks and I don't jump on it, you'll know I'm catching a few Z's because it is a long night. And, uh, you know, we are there for the entire duration of the draft. So it's not like, okay, if the Giants make a pick at five and seven, okay, you're done. You can go home. No, you have to stay just in case they they trade back into the first round. So, uh it's a long day, but look, I enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be doing it. I've been doing it now for over 30 years. Um, and I'm I'm on Twitter. I'll be on Instagram, like I said. Um, so if you guys want to reach out, keep me company, you know, tweet at me, whatever. Uh, I welcome all tweets and whatnot. And and uh, we'll just try to make the best of it as we wait and find out and see if uh, what we want comes to fruition. I was just thinking about this because I see everybody in the chat talking about Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson. Daniel Jeremiah normally has good intel. Why would he be releasing this over and over and over again that, we'll, that they'll be taking Garrett Wilson? And maybe they'll take Garrett Wilson. But let me give you a theory. Let me ask you a question. What team in this draft do you have penciled in to be taking a wide receiver? Like, you're pretty sure. They got two picks in the top mm. ten. Which team do you think is probably going to take a wide receiver? They, they look to trade for Tyree Kill. I'm thinking of the New York Jets, right? Yeah. All right, so let me just give you my theory. If you're the Giants, maybe you want to start to leak some information that you could potentially be interested in Garrett Wilson, hoping that the New York Jets may say, oh, my God, I might not be able to get this guy at 10. Let's take him at four. And maybe maybe a player drops you that way. Or maybe the, the Jets look to trade up to six, to seven, to make sure they get the wide receiver or a team that could potentially want a wide receiver. So don't read too much into any of this. And I'm not saying they won't take him. Maybe they will. But it could be smoke screens to try to, I get you know, confuse some of the other teams uh, throughout the draft to try to in, improve the New York Giants' value, whether it be a player to drop to them, whether it be, t- uh, be a team to, that looks to trade up to jump them or to trade with them. So don't read too much into any of this. Bingo. Good good theory. It, it could be a smoke screen, like you said. You know, so uh, Debo Samuel, once we find out where he ends up going, if he's going anywhere indeed, um, that's going to be the, another big domino that falls into place. See, it's not just the quarterbacks, folks. It's it's also the receivers and stuff. So, uh, 
Yeah, that's that, that's a real good theory, Chris. I think I'm glad you you brought that one up for sure. They might take them, but uh, they, they also yeah. might be playing games to try to <laughs> manipulate the teams around them uh, to to, ha to have players fall in their lap. Because I'm gonna tell you what, if they don't want to take a wide receiver, it would be the greatest news in the world if the Jets took them at four. Yeah, yeah, and this way, like you said, it pushes somebody down the board yeah. to the Giants. Well, I, the Giants are going tackle at five. I mean, if they don't go tackle at five, then I mean. I, <laughs> I'm going to throw out my crystal ball because <laughs> it's, it's, it's obviously a fluke, but uh, yeah. all right, let's see. We got something from Wolf Zay uh, considering the need for a safety Kyle Hamilton at seven. Ooh. I don't love it. Nah, I'm not buying it. I'm not feeling it. I'm yeah, not, I'm not, not it. saying again, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Um, he's, he's thought to be one of the better pro uh, prospects in this year's draft class, but Kind of like we were saying earlier, I think there's a lot of really good safety prospects you can get in the second round. Uh, Petre, Brisker, um, even the guy uh, sign or seen from Georgia. There's a lot mm -hmm. of good safety prospects you could potentially get a pick 36. And it's not in terms of position. You know, Joe, uh, Joe Shane has come out and talked about positional value, right? And he said that he's going to take that into account. Safety is, in terms of positional value, probably the least valuable position on a defense. Uh, when you look at the contracts these guys get outside of maybe interior defensive line. So I, I don't foresee the Giants taking them seventh overall. I could be wrong. Uh, depend, yeah, I guess it depends on how their draft board plays out. But I, I actually have them going drop into 11 right now um, to the uh, to Washington. That's that's the way I see it right now. But who knows? I heard I also heard rumors they're interested in wide receiver. So we'll see. But I, I don't think the Giants will take Hamilton. Yeah, I, I would be surprised. And he's a good player. I mean, I wouldn't hate it if he ended up with the Giants. I just don't think I would go – seven in that spot just you know just my take i mean he's a good player you know I, he's, I, a, he's I, a wonderful player i mean yeah, i think anybody who gets him is gonna be lucky he's definitely a good player i'm not saying he's not a good player yeah yeah i'm i'm with you on that um all right folks gotta run one more commercial then after that it's all Trina and tana so bear with me one more commercial and then we'll be right back at you so hang on all right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, this Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. Locked on Sports listeners can get $50 off on purchases of $500. This podcast exclusive is good only through Mother's Day. So use code LOCKEDON, that's code LOCKEDON at Blue Nile. Blue Nile offers a diverse selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, and necklaces, so you're sure to find something to celebrate that special event and that special situation for that special someone in your life. Every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in a discreet packaging so that it doesn't give away the contents inside. So shop stress-free for mom or that special someone and find your forever peace today. Go to BlueNile.com and remember that promo code is locked on to save $50 off your order of $500 or more. All right. Thank you so much, folks, for your patience. You've got Trina and Natana here on a live edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast. We're talking Giants draft this time tomorrow night. We'll at least know, hopefully, about one of the picks, I think, right? About now is, Probably wouldn't you say, now. Chris, about 24 hours from now, we'll, we'll at least know who the fifth round pick is? Yeah, I mean, you, I think you right? probably 815 will probably be your first pick. So, yeah, right around now will be when I'm screaming and cursing at the top of my lungs and breaking my television. <laughs> 
<laughs> Probably right about now is when I'll have to go to Best Buy to get a new TV. <laughs> oh, but I, I still say we got to put that video of you from Jones in the, in the Smithsonian. <laughs> that was classic. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, seriously. I mean, it's it, it's look, we're all going to have no matter what the Giants do. I think you're you're going to have people who are going to be unhappy. And, you know, to me, it's just whatever happens, happens. I mean, right now, this new regime hasn't given me any reason not to trust what they're doing. Whereas last year, you know, I started to have my doubts, especially after seeing how the salary cap was going and, and the strategy. So we'll see, guys. I mean, maybe it'll all work out. Maybe it'll be happy. You know, the one thing that drives me crazy, though, is when people go and assign grades to draft classes. And I say that knowing that I'm going to have to do it as well. But it's like, how do you grade a draft class when they haven't even taken the field? And especially now, you don't even know how they're going to fit because we don't know what the t- coaches are looking to run. Yeah, listen, I, I'm a content creator and I'm a fan. So I've been guilty of it too. Like after a draft, I'll be excited. I'll grade the draft. I'll say it's an A draft because we're fans and you like the players that they drafted. But I view the draft class much like a presidency. Like, you know, how they say you can't really judge a president until he's out of office for like eight years. It's the same thing with a draft class. Like you can't judge the draft class until three, four years down the road when you see these guys progress as players. So that's the way I look at it. We're all going to be hyped. You, We're going to convince ourselves, no matter what is a fan base, for the most part, we had a good draft. That's the way it works. We're going to fall in love with these players, and hopefully it works out. But I, I agree. You can't really truly um, grade a draft class until at least three or four years down the road. But I will say yeah. the 2020 draft class looks pretty good right now um, with Andrew Thomas and Xavier McKinney. Yeah, and hopefully this is a class that starts to stick because already the 2018 class is down to just one player, and that's Saquon. So it's the same vicious cycle continuing, and I hope eventually that stops because if it doesn't, boy, are we in trouble. So, all right, let's see. We got a question here from A.J. Marshall. Giants do need a safety. Which prospects would be good options in day two or day three? Sign, Lewis Sign comes to mind for me. Yep. I, I wonder if he makes it down, though, to, to day two. Yeah, you also got the guy from Michigan. He's he's kind of a, a hybrid cornerback, so a safety, uh, uh, Daxton Hill. But Daxton I think he, Hill. I think he's more of a, a day one pick, like you said, kind of back end first round. And then you got some of the guys I've said earlier. Petre's a guy um, that a lot of people feel would fit our scheme really well, um, along with uh, Brisker, who I really like out of Penn State. So there's a lot of potential options for the Giants at the safety spot in the second round. Um I think it's very possible we go safety in the second round. Yeah. Now, speaking of safety, Mark Thompson asks, is safety or corner more critical for the Giants? I think it's corner. They're yeah. both critical. Don't get they're, me wrong. They're both critical. But I, I safety for numbers, but corner, I think, for what Wink wants to do. I mean, and, and again, yeah. safety is important, but. You know, like they're, they're going to use the safety in a lot of different ways. They're going to, bl- yep. you know, they're, they're going to blitz them. They're going to want versatile players. They, that's why Petre I think is a really good fit because people feel like he can play all over. Um, but I think when you, when you blitz as often as Wink Martindale does, I mean, you go back, you look at Baltimore. He led the NFL in blitz frequency three straight years. He's, he was, he was the defensive coordinator four years there. His first three years, he led the NFL in blitz frequency last year. I think he was fourth and it was only because they were missing three quarters of their secondary. When you want to be as aggressive as Wink is going to be with the New York Giants, you have got to be able to cover man press. You got to be able to guard one on one. You have to be able to guard your wide receiver on an island. So I think that I think that strong uh, number one corner is so imperative uh, for this defense. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that for sure. All right, let's see. Jake's dad. Do the Giants pick Thibs at five or seven if he happens to fall? You know, I would love 
Thibodeau on the team. I'm not convinced that they're going to pick him, though. I just can't put my finger on it. Um, I, I just don't think they're going to. I think they would go corner faster than, than edge in the first round. I could be wrong, but that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, I, I, I'm leaning corner as well. Like I said earlier, right now, if you ask me, I, I would say Sauce, uh, Sauce or Stingley, one of the top two corners. But I wouldn't be surprised if they take Tibbs. I, I, but like you, I think we're going to tackle at five. Um, unless they have an unbelievable grade on Tibbs, which they certainly could. But I think we're going to tackle at five. Yeah. All right. Let's see. We have something from uh, Neymar Seacorn. Do you think we draft Jeremy Ruckert? I think that's a tight end. Yeah, Ohio State. Uh, yeah. Um, what is he? he I, I think he's what third round was was where he's he was more, Yeah, I would say more fourth. More yeah, I would fourth? say probably fourth. Yeah, more fourth. I don't know. You know, a guy that I, I seem to keep going back to is Ferguson, Jake Ferguson, because look, the tight end position, and I could be wrong here, but just based on the fact the Giants didn't retain a fullback. And I think I remember somebody saying, and, and I can't remember if it was a coach that told me or who it was, that the Giants want their their tight end, whoever, whoever they potentially draft, to be more of an H-back type. So that's why the name Ferguson keeps popping up into, in, into my head. I kind of like that. What's his name? Um, the guy we brought in from the Vikings a couple of years. Not Rudolph, before that. Uh, Red Ellison, right? He was Red Ellison, yeah. That type of tight end, right? He was a guy that could, yeah, he played a lot of full, H-back, fullback, whatever you want to call it, and he was capable. That's the type of tight end I think they want to bring in as well. So, Ruckert is a, a pretty good blocker, though. Um, his He didn't have a ton of yardage, though. He only had, I think, 250 yards last year because they had some great wide receivers. But he's actually an underrated route runner. I was watching a lot of highlights on him. I like Ruckert, um, maybe in the fifth. But I, I think the Giants have so many options at the tight end spot. It's a, it's a very deep tight end class where I think they could go four or five, six different guys. And and that's why I think you waited until at least the fourth round to take one, because I think you're going to have options there. Yeah. All right. Rosaria says, great commercial. Rosaria, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I have a cheat sheet. I have a script. You could probably tell I, it looks like I'm reading off of a script. And, you know, here's, here's the funny thing. Even though I'm reading off of a script, it still takes me multiple takes to get the commercial right. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But, you know, it's all good. We appreciate our sponsors because without our sponsors, obviously, there's no lockdown. And without you guys, there's no lockdown. So, you know, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing. And, and I'm grateful for our sponsors. I'm grateful for you guys and gals for listening. So if I haven't said that lately, I'm saying it again. And I'll probably say it again and again because it just it bears repeating. Uh, all right. Let's I see. see uh, Mark Hernandez. I'm just looking at the chat. He's asking a question to us that I, I, I ask in my sleep every night before I go to bed. Um, in capital letters, do we finally fix the O-line this year? Uh, from your lips to God's ears, Mark, I mean, I, I don't know. There's no way I can know that. Um, I think the offensive line is going to get a lot better as long as we take a tackle at fifth overall or seventh overall um, because if you get two strong tackles, it's going to make the interior better. Um, all of a sudden, you know, you think back to last year, Pat, during the, the first four games of the year when we saw that Andrew Thomas was playing really well, the Saints game specifically, one thing you constantly saw time and time again, they were, they were, everybody was helping each other out except for Andrew Thomas. He was on an island by himself. If you get another tackle comparable to Andrew Thomas, suddenly you could put those guys in single coverage or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, they don't need help from the other blockers and the other three guys could help each other out. So if you get two strong tackles, it's going to improve this offensive line tremendously. But I don't think it's going to happen overnight. 
You know, you think back to Andrew Thomas. It took him some time. So when they take one of these rookie tackles, do I expect him to step in and play at a Pro Bowl level right away? No. Um, not to mention, you're going to probably still need another piece here or there uh, over the next couple of years. It takes time to build an offensive line, but I certainly think this offensive line is going to be much improved. Galinsky's a solid guard as well. So is it going to be a finished product? No. Should it be better? Yeah, but it can't be much worse. Yeah. I mean, it's got, it can't be any worse, like you said. I mean, injuries were a big problem last year, but, you know, no disrespect to Rob Sale, but I don't think he was the right guy for that to, to, to coach up that talent. I, and coach I was a little shocked, and I'm, I'm curious to get your opinion on this. I was a little shocked at the way that Rob Sale talked about the players on his way out. He basically called Matt Parrott like a baby. I was like, yeah. Well, Wow. I was like, I, you know, I guess it's refreshing as a fan sometimes to hear your coaches be brutally honest. But if I was a player of that team, I wouldn't look fondly at a, at a coach like that. No, I mean, I, I was surprised, too. But, you know, I think at that point, Sale probably figured, hey, I'm not going to be back here next year. So, yeah. you know, he f- figured what the heck. Yeah. And it's funny because what he said kind of aligned with David Turner, who I had on, you know, after every game last season, he used to call Matt Pear a cream puff. Now I don't advocate calling people names like that, but he was basically saying the same thing that Parrot was, was kind of on the soft side. I mean, look, Parrot had injury issues. He came in, people forget he came in, he had the back strain and then I think that affected him. And then, you know, when he can't beat out Nate Solder, hmm. you know, that, that was a problem, but you know, just to my point though, about coaching, Look at the guys on the offensive line. And I and I I think I wrote about this. I forget where, but you know, years ago they had a guy by the name of Matt McCants who they drafted, I think, in the seventh round. Didn't stick here, but he went on and he had a, a career with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Eric Flowers developed. You know, I mean, there's been some guys, you know, uh um, what was the center's name? Uh, Western Richburg, Justin Pugh. Yeah. They went on to have successful careers. Um so you wonder about the coaching, you know, how much does that play in, you know, the whole equation here that these guys aren't getting developed properly. So. Yeah. I think it's continuity as well. I mean, we've constantly had turnover, not just with the offensive line coach, but with the players themselves on the line. Yeah. And I think that's a positional group more so than any, any other on a football team where you need, you need to, you know, familiarity playing with one another. You know, we saw, that great offensive line grow that, you know, the offensive line in the mid 2000s, early 2000s, they grew. It took them three, four years together. Um, you, you need a pairing. You need to grow up together. And the Giants really haven't had that. It's been constant turnover on the line. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Stu DeMeglio. I want to see Chris's rant if the Giants take Malik. <laughs> I'm not going to flip. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not going to fly. Kenny Pickett, I will flip. Kenny Pickett, I will break my TV set because I cannot come up with a single conceivable reason why they would take Kenny Pickett. Malik Willis, I will not be excited. I will not. Yeah, I'm not gonna. But I'm not gonna flip because at least with Malik Willis, I could tell. I could say to myself, "All right, well, at least the Giants see a guy with high-end physical traits, and maybe they feel they could duplicate what they did with Josh Allen, even though that's." really shooting for the stars with a guy like Kenny Pickett. I view a guy that's 24 years old. He's got a limited ceiling. He kind of came out of nowhere last year. To me, that is a horrible draft pick. I'm not in love with any quarterback in this class, but if you're going to swing for a quarterback, at least swing for the fences. If they take Pickett, you will see a rant for the ages, but I don't expect that to happen. (laughs) If they take Pickett, I'm going to make sure I'm tuned in on your channel. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I got You know, I love you, Chris. That's why I bust your chops on this stuff. I mean, that was classic. So, all right. Uh, JC Silver, I can see Shane bypassing a running back in this draft. I don't think I can. Can you? I can, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, like if you would, if you would, if you would have said that to me two months ago, I would have said, yeah, I, I definitely could at least see it. The fact that they had th uh, 30 top 30 visits and five of them were running backs. Like they they dedicated nearly 20% of their visits with potential draft picks this offseason to the running back position. You don't do that unless you have significant interest in potentially drafting one, at least in my opinion. Otherwise, you're gonna you you would have tried to bring in other guys and uh, at other positions. So I do think we're gonna draft the running back at some point. Would I be shocked if they didn't? I guess not, but I certainly expect it. And I think it's gonna be earlier than some people may think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree like with you. Like 81, like, like the, that second, third round pick, I could see it. Well, you know, and here's the other thing you got to remember. What is the one thing that a lot of running backs coming out of college usually struggle with when they first get here into Pass the block. NFL that is? Pass block. Pass yeah. block. Yeah. So you bring a guy in, you don't play, you don't have to play him right away. Maybe you, he, he lands on the practice squad. I don't know. Or maybe you develop him. You know, remember, they also have Sandro Platzgumer, the, Austrian. Uh, well, from by the, the way, what, that is a guy I'm rooting for. I remember Me last, too. last Me year too. Um, during the, the preseason game, you had that 50-yard run. And just to see the excitement on his face and the excitement from the team, I don't know if he'll make the team or not, but that would be a cool story if he did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But my point is, is, you know, you bring them in, you let them develop in that area, and then once they show that they could pass protect, then they generally get on the field. So – I would not have a problem because remember Barkley's in the final year of his deal. Matt Breed, I believe, is only signed to one year, right? If I'm not mistaken. I, I, yeah, if, if it's two if, years. I think it's, well, I think it's one, but if it's two, I'm sure they can get out after one. Okay, so you're probably going to have to replenish the position. So why not bring a kid in now and get him ready? So that, that's why I, I I would be inclined to, you know, say. Don't skimp on, on on running back, but you can pick them up, obviously, as undrafted free agents, I suppose. But uh, you know, I could see them taking something late day three, maybe. So I think right. I'm going to take one late third round, early fourth round. That's right. Well, you're, you're going based off of history in Buffalo, I think. So yeah, maybe well, that's just just some of the running backs they brought in. I mean, James Cook True. is kind of like a projected third round pick, but I, I hope not. I, I'm I'm not in love with taking a running back that early, but. I yeah. will, I'm preparing myself for it so I don't scream. <laughs> we don't want another meltdown for sure. <laughs> All right. Marcos Aguilar, what are we missing on defense to become elite? A Batman edge. I think mm. it's more than just that. but I think it's more than that. Cornerback, you know, you, you need two solid man-to-man, -man, uh, press man-press coverage guys. Um Probably another safety. I would like to upgrade inside linebacker. If I could find a coverage, Luke Keekly type of inside linebacker. linebacker. I think a coverage linebacker would go along. Yeah, way. like a Luke Keekly type who could do everything. Yeah. They just don't make them anymore. They don't. Um, but, yeah, like you said, we're going to need a safety. Um, maybe specifically, you know, an in-the-box guy that could do, you know, he could rush the pass or he could do multiple things. But we need a versatile safety. Um, we definitely need a lockdown corner. And we need those three positions, lockdown corner, safety, edge, and the cherry on top would be a coverage linebacker, but I, I think we're at least a few pieces away and uh, from having a potential elite defense. Now we'll see. Maybe Wink Martindale improves a lot of the players on this team, but um, you know we'll see. I'm interested, but we definitely need a lot of pieces, especially if you're going to lose James Bradbury. 
Yeah. And we'll see, you know, because that's still up in the air. By the way, I, folks, I see a lot of you asking about Jeremiah's mock with, with uh, I think it was Wilson mock for the Giants in the first round. We touched on that a little earlier. We think maybe that could be a smokescreen to maybe get the Jets to, you know, do something. But we'll see. I mean, the, it, it pretty, could be. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just speculating, but. Um, no, I, I think that makes sense. It definitely makes sense. But, uh, you know, anything can happen. I mean, we'll have our answers by this time tomorrow night for sure. But um, certainly an interesting development uh, and one that I'll probably write about tomorrow on Giants Country um, once I'm awake. So, all right. Kayla says, I love you, Patricia. I love you too, Kayla. So thank you for, for checking in, spending some of your evening with us here. Uh, let's see. Um, who else? Do we have any other questions? Let's see. I'm just going through here. What about, okay, here we go. What about Drake Jackson or Cam Thomas at edge in round two or three? What do you think of that? those prospects, Chris? I like Drake Jackson. I, I Pick 36 might be a little high for him. Um, I, I don't know too much about Cam Thomas. I know a decent amount about Drake Jackson. He's, he's, a, he's a high upside prospect off the edge. Uh, I think he went to USC. So he's a guy I'm interested in. 36 might be a little bit high for him. But if you really like a guy, you take him. Um, so he's interesting. And I do think he's actually fit our scheme relatively well. Bonito as well is another guy that I, I think would fit our scheme well off the edge that could go in that uh, day two, uh, 36th overall area. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm thinking, you know, if they, if they are going to go edge, if they don't go in the first round, I wouldn't go any further than third round to, to address it. And at that right. point, are you going to get a Batman? You might, you might not, but. We'll see what they decide to do there. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. James Sierra. Chances that the Panthers trade out of if they take a tackle, the rest of the tackles are available to take at seven. I'm not sure I totally understand the question. Chances that the Tranter, that the Panthers trade out of, of six? Yeah, I think that's um, what yeah, I, I'm going to refer you, James, to, to Julian Council, who runs Locked on Panthers. He might be better able to answer that question. I can't honestly say what the Panthers might do. I mean, you know, maybe they go quarterback there. Remember, they got Ben McAdoo now sitting there as their offensive coordinator, and Ben knows his quarterbacks, right? I mean, yeah, that's a good point. That's so, good point. you know, I, that, that's something certainly to keep an eye on. And if they've got an eye on a quarterback, um, I don't think they would trade out, but again, I would refer you to Julian Council's uh, Locked On Panthers podcast. He could probably answer that question a lot better than I can. I will say, All if right. they stay at six, I think they'll go tackle or quarterback. I don't see them doing much else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, let's see. We got one from Papa Guzzo. Papa Guzzo, Rosario, my man. Thank you for. You know, your your dad has become one of my biggest fans. I think you that's tell me so all the time. You, you love him. You love him. I love your dad. Your dad, and I've never <laughs> met him. Yeah, he's so awesome. <laughs> all right, Rosaria wants to know: Is Dory Jackson a good shutdown corner? I I'll say this: I think Dory Jackson was underappreciated by a lot of Giants fans last year. Um, I actually thought he had a good year. I actually thought he was better than Bradbury, and he played really well uh, in the Kansas City Chiefs game where I think he was locked up on Tyree Kill. They, they put Bradbury and Kelsey on that game. He did a great job as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. If, I don't think he's a number one. And if he is, he's a, he's kind of like a 1A. I don't view him as like a lockdown corner. But I think he's a good to very good corner. I think he's a good player and, and actually was a decent signing, was probably the only decent signing the Giants made last year. He, he, I think he at least came close to living up to the contract. 
Yeah, he started off a little rough, but you know what? I had him on the pod. Uh, was it last month? I think I've had him. No, wait. Yeah, it was last month. And we talked about the slow start and everything. Real good guy. If you if you searched my archives, you'll find that episode. He was very forthcoming, answered all the questions. Um, but yeah, he he came on and 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 finished strongly, I thought, you know, once he got healthy there. So all right, Stu DeMeglio wants to know, did didn't you pick Jermaine Johnson today at seven? I don't recall doing that, Stu. I know I've done a lot of mocks and I posted mocks. Are you maybe thinking of something you saw? The Fan Nation Network draft. I'm not sure what where you might have saw that, but I don't recall picking Jermaine Johnson. I think I've been pretty consistent with what I picked. The rumors uh, are crazy. I, I saw a rumor about Jermaine Johnson going four to the Jets yesterday. Uh, that was building up. The rumors have been crazy, but he's been a guy that's been all over the map. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, he's been all over the map. I don't know where he's going. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know either. I yeah, mean, he's he, one of those guys where maybe he goes top four or maybe he goes like 15. Um, yeah. You know, kind of like Clay and Farrell, and he ended up going four. Um, but he's kind of one of those guys where I, I, I can't quite distinguish where I think he's going to go. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I mean, good player, though. I mean, whoever gets him is going to be darn lucky, I think, to get him. Yeah. All right, we'll say, what about the rumor that Jacksonville owner wants Hutchinson and the coach wants Equanu? Okay, I haven't heard that, Wolf. Um, again, for Jacksonville, check out my main man, Wake. Tony Wiggins, he is the Locked on Jacksonville host. He'll be able to answer. Tell him that Patricia sent you over. He hears my name. He'll tell you whatever you want to know. That's my man. One of my men, I should say. So good dude. Um, so sorry, Wolf. I, I I don't know. I haven't heard that rumor. And, uh, you know, just I'm Giants beat writer. I try to keep my pulse, my, my, my finger on the pulse of what's going on with the Giants. Do I pay attention to what's going on around? going on around the league this time of year. Yes, but not in the detail, maybe as some of the national people. So that's kind of like the difference there. So I'm, I apologize that I can't give you a straight answer on that one. The other, uh, the other Jacksonville is Walker too. And he didn't mention Yeah. That. I mean, they just signed their offensive tackle. So you would, you would think that they would go defense there, but um, I, and, I really don't know what they're going to do. They extended yeah. it today. Yeah, they exactly. Like, yeah. So it leads me, and that's good news for the Giants, yeah. for us. You know, if we want to go tackle, we don't want them going tackle. So that's good news. Uh-huh. Okay, let me see. All right. So NY Giants 26 day are shopping slate and keep that in mind. You know what? Let me let me clarify something about this whole thing about shopping and whatnot. What Joe Shane is doing is taking calls yeah. uh, right now, which he should do. Is he actively shopping certain players? I think the only player that maybe they've actively shopped has been um, Bradbury. Bradbury, exactly. You know, the, the report came out about Tony being on the trading block. He took calls, yeah. as far as I know. He didn't, it's not like he picked up the phone to say, I don't know, San Francisco and said, hey, you know, can I interest you in Kadarius Tony? Yeah. So there's, a, there's kind of a difference when you read that somebody's being shopped versus, you know, somebody has inquired open, about it. It's, it's like listening. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like if you if you called me up and said, you know, hey, is your house for sale? I might say, okay, make me an offer, you know. Right. And and if you make me a sweetheart of an offer, I might say, okay, I'll sell you my house. But right. it's not like I'm actively shopping it. You know what I'm saying? So that that's kind of how I see what's what's happening here. I mean, based on what I understand at any rate. So um, that's what it sounded like once all the information came out. It didn't sound like they were shopping 
Tony or or anybody outside. No, I, I don't think they're shopping Tony right now. I mean, you got to also remember this. I mean, we still don't know why Tony didn't show up. I'm sure if, if he ever gets in front of the media, that question will pop up. But that being said, every you know, I know there were reports about last year and 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 some of those reports were true, by the way. But Shane and Dable came in here and they said everybody's getting a clean slate. What you did in the past is in the past. Yeah. It's what you do from this point forward. So do we know for a fact that Tony didn't have something legitimate going on? Like, I don't know, maybe it could be the, the expected arrival of a baby. It could have been a wedding. It could have been maybe, God forbid, somebody in the family was sick or died. We don't know. Yeah. And without knowing that, I personally would be reluctant to, to really, you know, go after the kid and say, oh, he should have been, been here. Now, is it bad optics? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely is. I'm not going to dispute that, but you know, I, I, I'm not going to say, well, get rid of him because he's a bum and he doesn't want to be here. You know, what, I, what I'll say is regardless at this point, he's there. So I'm happy. Yeah, he's there. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I, I was not happy when he wasn't there. I, I don't look at the term voluntary when I see everybody else going and he's not there, a guy that's going into year two. Like you said, if there's a legitimate reason, different story, but if there was not, I don't like that. He's there now. Uh, he only missed a couple of days of voluntary camp. He's got the playbook. He's working with the team. I'm happy. That's yeah. it. All I want as a fan is for him to be there, working with his teammates, especially in a year like this, a transition year with a new coach, new scheme, everything else. And that's the bottom line. He's there now. So hopefully, if anything, yep. those rumors that came out, whether they were true or weren't, uh, hopefully that lit a fire under his butt. That that's the way I look at it. Um, if he wasn't, if he was, if he didn't have a legitimate reason not to be there. Yeah, exactly. All right, Mike Gorga. Asks, Ross is gone. That would be John Ross. Shep was in uniform last week. Okay, yes, John Ross was not resigned. Shep wasn't in uniform. Remember, he's rehabbing from that Achilles. Was he at the camp? Yes, he was there. He was on the side, though. He can't practice yet. He's not cleared to practice. So kind of a difference there between being there and actually being on the field. Also, I saw there, which was encouraging, and I don't think he's going to play to start the year. Uh, Nick Gates was there in uniform. Nick Gates, yeah, absolutely. I, Nick Gates walked right. Matter of fact, he stopped to say hello to me, walking with just the tiniest bit of a limp. Yeah, that guy is is one tough hombre. If I ever have to get into a bar fight, I want him by my side. I think that's why Giants fans love him. I mean, oh, he, he's wonderful. What he's a, one of the most what a sweetheart of a guy. Because he's he, you could. There are certain players when you watch them play, and, do, and if I'm being honest, do I think he is slightly overrated by the fan base? Like most players, maybe. But I'm going to tell you what. There are certain players, when you watch them play, when you're like, that guy loves football. He's one of those players. He yeah. absolutely li lives, eats, and breathes, uh, breathes football. So I'm rooting for him to get back out there and have a great Me year. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Just just a just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Can't say enough good things about Nick Gates. Reminds me a lot of Richie Seibert. Yeah. Just that toughness, that blue collar, you know. Yeah take no crap from anybody type of uh, toughness. I, I just love guys like that. Those, those are the throwbacks. The thing that sucked was last year, and I think we've talked about this before, is I was excited when he transferred to the guard because I thought that was his better position. When they brought, when they, when they uh, put, inserted Billy Price into the starting lineup at center, he got hurt like his first snap. When he, when, when he, when he moved to the guard, I was like, oh, my God, had he been playing center, maybe he never would have gotten hurt. Um, but I, I, I just hope he recovers from the injury and, and he's back at it because we need him. You know, he's one of those guys. He was a captain. He's a guy that is respected in that locker room and 
Uh, hopefully he's back sooner and later. But I, I just found that uh, interesting that I saw him on the sideline. I'm like, oh, wow. Nick Gates yeah. is there. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yep. And by the way, some, I think some of the guys that were reported as not being there, we don't know if they were inside working and rehabbing. I I, I can't remember who some of the guys were. I, I want to say Blake Martinez was one, but just because a guy isn't out on the field doesn't mean he's not on the property. That I learned the hard way one year. So um, you might want to, you know, that's why this time of year, when you hear the attendance reports, I would take those with a grain of salt. You know, Tony obviously was the big story, but you know, it is what yeah, it is. But anyway, uh, Big Blue 56, can you see the Giants selecting two offensive line if all three tackles are on the board? Okay, I, I get this question a lot. Yeah, five and seven, right? Yeah. Yeah, I get this a lot, Chris. And I would say probably no. Yeah. yeah. I would say no. I mean, this is how I look at it. The Giants don't have, in my opinion, enough young depth to develop they they have the international guy that they just brought on whose name i've got to learn how to pronounce oh, that yeah, yeah, OC, oc's guy yeah yeah oc's guy I, I gotta learn i gotta ask oc how to pronounce that before i butcher that name too but um you you get your starting right tackle and then you get into me if you keep that seventh pick you have to get a starter you can't get a guy who's going to necessarily sit on the bench because who are you going to sit at that point you know, well, I, so, I, here's what I'll say. I think Big Blue's line of thinking is he would start a guard. Probably, like if, probably. Like if you but, took a Quanu, he'd be a guard, and 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 Neil would be your tackle. I, I think that's what his line of thinking. I is. I, I agree with you, but but what yeah. I'm saying is is I would I would not do in the first round. I would not go. I would not double dip. I would maybe look second round, get a developmental center. That would yeah. be that to me would be a bigger need than maybe getting you know a tackle slash guard. Yeah. To me, that's the bigger need. And, and you know, a center you can have sit behind Feliciano and, and Gates if he's going to be there. And, you know, because Gates, this is technically the last year of his contract, too. Don't forget. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I'm a huge fan. And so are you a, a huge fan of, of, of the offensive line and fixing this offensive line as quickly as possible. But I, uh, I agree with you. I, I think that would th there's several factors. I've talked about it. You don't even know if Aquano would want to stay at guard long-term. And at that point, you're investing a seventh overall pick in a guy that may not even want to play that position after he's off of his rookie contract. So he may not be happy doing that. He's coming into the league as a projected tackle. Um, and you could get value at the interior offensive line. You could wait another year if you, if you feel you need to take a high uh, interior offensive lineman in next year's draft. And we have so, so many other needs on this roster. That's not to say I want to ignore the offensive line throughout the remainder of the draft. I don't. Ideally, I'd like to come out of this draft with three offensive linemen, one in the first, maybe one in the second or third, and one in the back end of the draft as well uh, for depth purposes. But um, I don't see the Giants doing that, and it's probably not in the team's best interest. Now, if they were to trade down, maybe then you get a guard at 19. You get a guy like Kenyon Green or something like that. But uh, at five and seven, I don't see them doing that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I just don't think that makes any sense, to be honest with you. All right, Jeff Newman says, if we don't get a bonafide star player at five or seven, is it a failure? Yes, in my opinion. I uh, think you need somebody who's going to make an impact if you're drafting that high. I really do. Um, yeah. Now, are you talking an all-pro? Are you talking rookie of the year? Are you talking, um, you know, Pro Bowl? You know, some of that stuff, I don't care. I just want somebody who comes in makes an impact within the system, somebody who may be the opposite, 
coordinator will have to game plan to accommodate, you know, or, or to, to scheme against. That's what I'm looking maker, for. A difference maker. Yeah, a um, difference maker. Exactly. But if you have two picks inside the top seven, you better find at least one difference maker. And I, and I, I want two with those two picks. So, yeah, I would view it as a failure. If you don't find a guy that's at least a fringe pro bowler on a pretty regular basis with the, with one of these two picks, if not both, that's a failure. You're picking that high in the draft. You expect, you know, and I know we've become accustomed to not getting that over the last couple of drafts. Saquon Barkley was that before the injury. Daniel Jones has not been that. He was sixth overall. So we've been accustomed to not getting that level of production for my picks. But, yeah, when you're picking that high, you better be at least a borderline pro bowler. So, yeah, if they don't develop into that, um, yeah, I would definitely view it as a failure picking that high in the draft. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right. Uh, Alejandro. I Taralde says, I want Thibodeau. He is a sure thing. Alejandro, there is no such thing as a sure thing other than death and taxes, as they say. Um, yeah. Thibodeau is a very promising player. He's a very good player. I have seen over the course, you know, in, in all the years I've been covering or, or working, uh, covering a team in the NFL, sometimes there are players that, that you know, people say, oh, this guy's going to be a sure thing. And they turn out not to be. I can give you examples at that position. Chase Young so far has not been a sure thing. He was, we were playing the Chase Young Bowl at the end of the year. He has not been a sure thing so far. He may become that. Um, Genevieve Clowney's a bit of a letdown for as highly he was. I mean, people were talking like he was going to be the next Reggie White. So, um, you know, and there's several others at the at the uh, defensive end position that have been major letdowns. Cedric Jones for the Giants. Cedric Jones, yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. There's no such thing as a sure thing, but I do like him. And uh, if the Giants yeah. take him, people are going to be very excited because he definitely does possess upside. Um, I was actually looking at this just because I was interested. I don't think it should really impact how we feel about these prospects because you're going back three years. He was the number one rated prospect in the country, uh, at any position going into college. Cave on that's how. Highly thought of he was. And when you compare him to a guy like Jermaine Johnson, Jermaine Johnson was 2,100 coming out of high school. So Thibodeau has always been a guy that has been looked upon as this athletic freak or not. I don't think he's on the level of like a Miles Garrett in terms of athletic freak or, or uh, maybe even a guy like, uh, well, no, but he's on Bosa he is, but I wouldn't say he's on like a Miles Garrett level, but he's definitely, he's got a really high ceiling. And I think that's what people see. And he probably has the highest, highest ceiling of any edge rusher in this year's draft class, but people question the work ethic is the love of the game. That's kind of what's kind of dropped them down some of these draft boards. And I actually watched a video today from Chris Sims. I, have you watched Chris Sims's uh, breakdowns when he breaks down the prospects? Have you ever watched those before? Here and there I've watched them. Yes. I think he does a great job. And a lot of times he will go off the cuff and he'll have like hot takes. He had Thibodeau ranked seventh. I think it was at the edge rusher position in this year's draft class. My jaw almost hit the floor. I was like, oh, my God. So I've never seen a player that has been so all over the map as Kayvon Thibodeau was. Because if you go back a year ago, he was the consensus number one overall pick in this draft. And now you hear some people saying that he should be a mid to late first round pick. So he's been all over the map. I am really intrigued to see where he goes tomorrow night. Yeah, I am too. I mean, a a good player. I mean, I I think he's going to make some noise. But sure thing, I, I just would not attach that label to him just yet. So... All right, Fabian wants to know, is Daniel Jones cleared? Fabian, as far as I know, um, I don't believe he is. But 
but they are still optimistic he will be. There is no contact until August. He doesn't really need to be cleared right now. I mean, Daniel was able to go out there. He was able to throw and participate in the mini camp um, that they had on uh, April 20th. Um, so I, I didn't think he looked bad. You know, he didn't look like, you know, he was favoring his neck or anything like that. Then again, in practice, it's not contact anyway. So, uh, you know, you've got time on your side right now if you're Daniel Jones. And I think they are optimistic that he will be okay. But we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll get a little better feel for it, I think, as we get closer to uh, the end of spring football. Daniel Jones was supposed to speak to the media on April 20th. He, you know, for whatever I think he had a meeting or something. So he didn't come out. We didn't get a chance to see where he was at with things and I don't think the topic came up with Brian Dable or, or, or Joe Shane for that matter, but at some point I'm sure that it, that topic will definitely come up. Um, Everything I've heard is it, it, he's going to be ready to go. That's, I think that, he will be. Yeah. I think he will be feeling that I get, he's going to be ready to go so much so that they're already at least discussing the topic of potentially extending him on the fifth year option. I don't think they would even discuss that uh, with Mara. They said, that I think they were going to do that tomorrow or the day after. I don't even think that would be a discussion unless they felt very confident that he was going to play this year. So, and play yeah. one, he's going to, he's going to play this year. I think so too. And, and, you know, they set up Tyrod Taylor, as you know, the contract is set up in such a way so that if they need to, um, you know, they need to do something with him as the starter, they, they can do it. So uh, by the way, some of you uh, folks will go another 15 minutes or so. We'll, we'll continue to take your questions so, again, th thank you to everybody who's come out. We've had a really good turnout. I think this is one of our best turnouts, Chris. How many? I um, can't even see how many people we got. Uh, we're close to about 260, which is 260. Which is, thank you yeah. guys for being here. We appreciate it. Yeah, really appreciate it. Um, I know sometimes we, lately we've been doing this around lunchtime, you know, but it looks like nighttime is better for everybody. If it is, let me know, guys. So, you know, for future planning, if, you know, we'll do a, these shows at night, if, if that's better for everybody, as opposed to around lunchtime. Me personally, I don't care either way. I could do, you know, lunchtime, nighttime, you know, I'm here to help to, to you know, to service you guys. So, um, all right, let's see. Um, all right. And, OJ, and Dob J, did you see Shane take, tell the Wisher kid he gets to make yeah. the pick? Yeah, I saw that. Oh my gosh. That's wonderful. That was awesome. That was just awesome. That, 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 that young boy's, expression was just beautiful i think yeah. he's a podcaster an up-and-coming podcaster too oh is that what he was i didn't know Prince that Pod or something like that i i have to look up his name the name i of the followed pod. him on twitter i followed him on twitter did you yeah yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's a podcaster and a budding podcaster so i did not know that if that's true i'm gonna have to have him on my channel but that's awesome. oh there you go there um, you go but that's awesome yeah it, it was so cool to see i think he was from the make-a-wish and it was yes cool. make he's a wish gonna, and, yeah he's gonna get and the best up. wishes to the young man too you know i think i think he's if I'm not mistaken, I think it's some, something he's with his recovered. heart. I think they said he's recovered. Oh, he recovered. Oh, even better. I, I don't know. Say. I don't know if it's something that they worry it could come back up, but the, I think they said right now he's recovered. So, well, I hope that young man not only you know lives another hundred years. years, but you know, hey, he's a giant fan. So you know, yeah. He, he, and I, I, the first thing I did when I saw it, I, first off, it was awesome, like you said. I followed him because I'm like in my head. I'm like, hey, maybe I'll get some intel. This guy's gonna actually make the. <laughs> He's think about it. He's gonna be the only person outside of the organization who's gonna know who the pick is 
before the rest of us do. So I, I'm going to message him the, the first chance I get. I'm going to say, ah, oh, you're going to try and break the scoop, right? Now you're going to be scoop goozle, huh? No, but it was awesome to see to see that. It was cool. Oh, that is awesome. That really is. And all right, let's see. Okay, we've got a trade scenario here from Timothy Frith. Should the Giants trade Darius Slayton seventh and sixty-seven picks and twenty? For Darwin, no, no. Tim, Timothy comes out with a lot of. Uh, well, I, I've, 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 you know, I've been on YouTube for a while. He's a subscriber of mine. He comes out out with a lot of off the wall trade offers. That one's pretty off the wall. We're not. I don't think we're doing that, Timothy. But good out of the box thinking. Good out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen, I, I like, I like some of these different questions, but that one was like, nah, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> By the way, I see some some of you, you know, have followed me on Instagram. Thank you. We're, I'm going to try and do a, a Q&A also on Instagram, which I'll run. They, they usually run for about 24 hours. But um, if you need if you're trying to like DM me because I get a lot of DMs, it's best to hit me up on Twitter. Just tag it. Ask P train. This way it shows up on a column I have on my screen. And this way I can get to you a lot quicker than I can on Instagram. So just a little FYI there. Um, all right. Let's see who else just get all the d line okay um all right so we got this one from tommy or tommy for one tommy just get all the d line turn into the 2000 ravens oh gosh you remember that chris from the super bowl did you see that super bowl yeah uh, remember yeah, that d line one of the worst experiences of my life as a giants fan <laughs> the worst I for me it, too i always say it in the moment i thought the eagles game was the worst moment for me as a giants fan um, when Deshaun Jackson returned the punt, and you know, you remember that game, Miracle at the Meadowlands, too. Oh, God, yes. But when I thought about it a couple of years ago, I said, you know what? That was not the worst moment. The worst moment for me ever for a Giants fan was that Super Bowl. The worst moment, it was the most deflating moment I've ever had as a sports fan. The Ravens had like a 13 nothing, whatever it was. We returned the kick for a touchdown, and all of a sudden I get out of the couch, I'm going crazy. I'm like, we're back in this. The Giants kick off. They return it right back for a touchdown. I'm like, oh, my God. That was the most deflating moment I've ever had as a sports fan. Two straight kickoffs for touchdowns back-to-back. -to -back. But that that Ravens defense is, in my opinion, at least in modern-day football, I didn't get to see the 85 Bears, and I'm not trying to knock the 86 Giants. That 2,000 Ravens defense is the greatest defense I've ever seen. And I think they only surrendered 10 points a game that year on average in the regular season. It was insane. And they tore us up in that game. Yeah, I, I, that game was a, a downer for me, not just because they lost, but I, the one thing I remember about that one, I came down with the flu that day. I remember going to that game. I had a, I, I was there to cover that Super Bowl and I came down with the flu the night before, because at the time, my, my husband who was my boyfriend at the time. We had gone down together and he got sick. I got sick and I was like, Dang, damn it, there's nothing. And that's like the second Super Bowl I got sick. I was also sick for uh, Super Bowl 46. Came down with a cold. I was sick for Super Bowl 46. I was fine for Super Bowl 42, which is why I always say Super Bowl 42 is my favorite. That week yeah. was just that week was just perfect. It was perfect as it can get. I can sit here and, and talk about that all night if I if I had to. But uh, Super Bowl 46, I remember I was just coming off cancer treatments, actually, and I was sick as a dog because my resistance wasn't up and I had been out in the rain and I developed a high fever. And Oh my gosh. I remember, thank God my husband was with me because I probably would have gotten on a plane and gone to Timbuktu or something. That's how, how 
out of it I was. And I'm lucky I didn't have to go to the hospital when I got home because I had a high fever. But it's funny anyway. you say that because I, I, I was supposed to go to a party for Super Bowl 46 and I, I had the flu. I got the flu. So I had to stay. I had to stay at home the whole, the whole game. But um, I was at, I was with my girlfriend at the time. And, and I always say this, the whole game, I was kind of like, you know, obviously it's the Super Bowl. I was frantic. And, and the funniest thing was when Eli got the ball with like three minutes to go, I was as calm as I was throughout the entire game. I, I turned to her and she's like, why aren't you? There's only three minutes left. The Giants lose. I'm like, this game's over. Giants won. Because I saw Eli that entire year with the two-minute drill whenever the game was on the line. He went right. I knew it. I knew he was going to go right down the field and score in that Super Bowl. That, that to me, was st- is still one of the greatest years I've ever seen a quarterback have. Um, yeah. Eli Manning in, in, uh, in that season in 2011. He was incredible start to finish. He really was. He really was. That that was just, you know, that was one of actually my favorite chapters to, to research for the book that I wrote, The Big 50. You can see the poster behind me. That's the cover. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a fun one, that, you know. But again, because I was just coming off cancer treatments, I, I don't think I really enjoyed the experience as I did the first one. Plus the fact they were playing the Patriots again. I was like, dang, damn it, the Patriots again. Well, you and know, plus like, the first time you had the un- it was the undefeated Patriots. It was yeah. I just felt like something you know, like like the sequel wasn't. It the result was as good, but but you know, just the lead up to it, it was like, eh. I was. I like, say it all the time. The first Super Bowl trumps the second by a mile. The second Super Bowl, the first when they won the first Super Bowl, the first thing I thought about was just the team as a whole. I thought about Michael Strand. He finally got his ring. We knocked mm. off the undefeated Patriots. The second Super Bowl. It was Eli. That's who I thought about. I was like, okay, now nobody could knock Eli anymore. He got his second ring. He's a Hall of Famer. That season to me was about Eli and Cruz and all that. But yeah, I agree with you. The first one trumps the second one by a mile. Yeah, speaking of Eli and the Hall of Fame, that's going to be a debate. I can just see that coming up because already people are saying he doesn't deserve to get in. But that's a, that's a topic for another show, obviously. All right, our guy Tutu. Our What's entire up, team's going to chip in to buy Tana a new big TV on Friday morning. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully you don't got to do it. What about me? What well, about he's saying I'm going to break my TV, so they're going to have to get me a new one. Yeah, but my TV, I don't even have a TV in my bedroom. So, I mean, <laughs> I can't even, you know, or my husband hogs the TV. So, you know, if I want to watch TV, I got to watch it on my little rinky dink laptop, which I'm beating the heck out of anyway. So don't I count? I'm just kidding, Tudo. I just wanted to give you a shout out, man, because you're always nice enough to say hello to me every day. As is, uh, I think, Christopher. Is it Andrew Christopher or Christopher? Uh, there's another. Hi, Andrew Christopher. Yeah, Andrew Christopher always says hi. And and I see it. I'm If I don't respond, you know, it's, I get a lot of, obviously, feedback, but. I do see the comments and I appreciate them and I, I try to answer as many of them as I can. So there he is. He uh, just said it. He just said hi. Hey, what's going on, my man? All <laughs> right. Got a few more before we call it a, a night. Uh JJ, I think that says JJM. Why are people automatically out on DJ? Because when you think about it logically, with a much better offensive play call, DJ will play better right. Well, yes and no. I think it's faith. You know, yeah, people, I, th- I think it's I think it's an answer. Yes and no. I'll, I'll let you go first, Chris, and then I'll weigh in. Yeah, I think for people that, that, that at this point believe in Daniel Jones and think like JJM, I suppose, does and, and think that he can be really good to great with all the improved variables, the offensive line, the scheme. It's faith because, yeah, it, it can, you know, conventional wisdom would tell you he should be better, but we've got to see it first. Right. We haven't seen consistency. We haven't seen him stay on the field. So for people that believe in him, it's based 
you know, off of traits, you see potential, you see glimpses, but it's mainly based off of faith. People who no longer believe in him, they said, all right, I've seen three years of this guy. I've seen enough. I know what I, I know what he is, and I don't believe he's going to get good enough to the point where I feel like he's an, a long-term answer. Yeah, and then the other thing, see, you know, yes, a better scheme will help. Yes, a better offensive line will help. But what's going to help him with the mental processing, which right now, you know, he's got to speed up that clock in his head. It's off. You know, he's got to make faster decisions. That's stuff on him. He's got yep. to make smarter decisions. That's on him. So, yes, the improved offensive line and the better scheme will help. But that's not the only factor. That's That's got to, you know, you got to take everything into consideration. So that's why I say, you know, not necessarily. Fabian, my man. You've been so kind. You've been telling people to hit that like button, subscribe, and ring that bell. Please, folks, if you haven't already done it, we would appreciate it. I'm trying to get this channel to 5,000 subscribers because if I do, I've got a giveaway for all you guys. So there you, you want to – yes. I mean, the, the first two uh, milestones I hit, 1,000, 2,000, I got a little something from Locked On. I said, if I hit 5,000, I'm going to do something for all the wonderful people who like, subscribe, and support this channel. So please like, subscribe, and support. Follow Fabian's uh, little tip. Fabian, thank you for that. I appreciate that as always. Let's see. Um, let's see. Do I, I'm just looking real quick because we've got a bunch of... By the way, if I don't get to your questions, please send them to me. You can send them to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet them to me. at. Uh, you can see my, my Twitter handle at the bottom there. Tag them, Ask P-Train, P-T-R-A-I-N. This way they will show up on my screen because I will be doing mailbags um, both on the podcast and on Giants Country. We'll kind of be doing them all weekend long because I'm sure everybody will have uh questions everybody will have probably feedback on what the giants do and i do want to you know accommodate as many people as i can there's been a lot here and i'm just trying to get to as many people as i can at least for the first time um but your questions are, are have been wonderful so i thank you for that uh let me see if there's anybody else we have to see uh okay this this is a new one um Robert Riccio, what do you think if we trade Bradbury and 36 to the Chiefs to move up and get one of the top three interior offensive linemen? Hmm. Yeah, I brought that up as a possibility in the past on my channel, like taking 36 and, and Bradbury moving up to 29, um, yeah. like a seven pick difference. Uh, you know, I, which is I, I did the math based off the points. It's kind of comparable to like a late third round pick uh, based off the seven pick difference. But um yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something that if you can do that, that's something you entertain. And it may make sense for the Chiefs. You're looking at a team that is trying to compete for a Super Bowl. They clearly have a need at the cornerback spot. But it also depends on what cornerbacks are there and whether or not they think those young cornerbacks could develop quickly because they're looking to compete for a championship. So I don't know. You know, it depends on who's there on the board for them. Like, I like the guy out of Florida. Um, I don't know why I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, but he's kind of being mocked to go in the back end of the first round. A lot of people have him going to the Chiefs, a cornerback prospect. So it depends, I guess, who's on the board for them and whether or not it makes sense for a team. I don't know if you'd be able to do do a trade like that, but it, it, I, it would be ideal if one of those interior offensive line fell to that spot and you were able to do something like that. Yeah, I mean, and, and they, I think they're definitely going to take at least two offensive linemen. One, obviously, to start, one to develop. And I wouldn't be surprised if they pick up a, you know, a couple in you know undrafted free agents, too. I don't know exactly how many undrafted free agents they'll be able to get, but 
something to keep an eye on for sure. All right. Um, Elam, by the way, that's his name. I think it's like Kyira Elam, uh, Chino said it, the cornerback from Florida. Yeah. All right. Toasty says, should we take a punter in the sixth round? You know, Toasty, I'm glad, glad you brought that up because I was watching Jamie Gillian punt um, at the minicamp last mm -hmm. week. And uh, it was a windy day. And, you know, what struck me about Jamie Gillian is that, you know, this is a guy who came from Cleveland, all right, which has had some funky weather uh, with winds and, uh, you know, bad weather and whatnot. And I thought, okay, so he should, he should be used to it. His punting at the mini camp was all over the map. And I was like, uh oh, that's not good. Now, I don't yeah. know if something else was brewing there, but I was not very encouraged by what I saw from Jamie Gillian. So, should the Giants draft a punter in the sixth round? I don't know, man. I, I'd be reluctant to do it because this team just has so many needs. But, uh, you know, I Chris, what do you think? I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be blown away if they did it. Um, I don't think they will. I, 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 like you said, they got nine picks. You need to, you need to address more important needs on this team. You could probably sign an undrafted free agent punter that, you know, how many punters get drafted? I don't know, two, three, four. So, you know, you could probably sign a guy that you don't have to waste a draft pick on. I definitely think they're going to bring in another punter. I'll say that um, mm -hmm. for sure. Right? And that's something that needs a lot of improvement. That has not been good for the Giants the last couple of years. Um, I'm a, I wouldn't scream if they did it in the sixth round with their last pick, but I doubt it. I, I, I think they'll, I think they'll maybe try to get a lineman there with that six pick, or I don't know you know, maybe, maybe a guy with some high upside at a skill position, but I, I would be surprised if they take a punter. Yeah, me too. All right, let's do one more, my friend, and then we will call it a night because uh, some of us got to start getting their Z's in. Just can't hack it anymore like I used to. But anyway, uh, Brett Brown, Brownstein, excuse me, give us a bold prediction for the first round. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I got to think about this one. Hmm. What are you thinking, Chris? Bold prediction. Yeah, are we just talking about anybody or just are we talking Giants specific or, or any team? I'm assuming Giants. I mean, maybe it means any team because he says first. Um, I, I would think Giants. I mean, I, I'm thinking in terms of Giants for okay. my answer. So. I don't know if I have a bold prediction for the Giants. I think they're pretty cut and dry. I, I think they're going, like I said, I think they're going line. I think they're going corner uh, with the with the slight possibility of going edge uh, with that seventh pick. Uh, outside of a trade down, I, I don't really see a shocker for the Giants. Um in terms of all right, a, then let's then let's talk first round in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'm all right. I will say, I'm believing. Uh, I'm going to say I, a receiver in the. I'm going to say a receiver goes in top ten. Top ten. Yeah, I think I think they will. I think the Jets will take a receiver at ten at the latest. If um, they don't get Samuel. Yeah, yeah. If they don't get Samuel, I think I think they they will take a wide receiver. I'll say this. Okay, here's a bold prediction. And I'm not mocking this. I still think he's going to go early. But I won't be shocked if Kayvon Thibodeau drops a lot further than people think. I'll say that. I won't okay. be shocked. I could, I, I could see that. Yeah. Maybe he falls out of the top ten. I, I won't be – like, he's like the one guy that I think people have penciled in for sure to be a top four, five, six pick. I won't be shocked if he falls further than people think. That, that one will not start me on draft line. Yeah. That would not. That one shocked me. I mean, I'll get. I'll give another one. Okay. Bold prediction. No quarterback goes in the first fifteen picks. Ooh. Hmm. 
unless there's a trade-up. But no quarterback goes in the first 15 picks. Maybe the Steelers trade up to 12 or 13, but that's my – I don't think the Panthers go quarterback. Mm. Here's a bold prediction. Okay. I mean, I, I'm thinking Giants only, but like you said, Giants is pretty cut and dried. I mean, for me, a bold prediction would be – and it's funny because I, I remember saying this in my very, 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 very first mock that I did. I said, oh, I could see the Giants taking a receiver. And it's funny now because, you know, Jeremiah, and, and again, it could be a smoke screen. Um, Jeremiah's mocking a Giants to, to the Giants. I'm sorry, mocking a receiver to the Giants. So uh, I don't know, man. It's going to be a wild ride. I, I can't wait to get started. There's going to be something crazy that happens. It happens in every draft. It, it really does. I mean, just when you think you know, just when you think you know what's going to happen, something funky goes down and um, you, you sit there and you go, wow, I didn't see that happen. And I, and I know in the media workroom, you know, when something unusual happens, we sit there and we go, holy crap, we didn't see that coming at all. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to happen. There's going to be a, there's going to be a wow moment at some point. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know what, you know, you, your guess is as good as mine. There'll they'll, they'll be there'll be one or two things tomorrow night that you're like, and hopefully it's not with the Giants. Um, yeah. Like, what the hell did that team do? Exactly. Uh, so we'll see. I, I'm excited to see what happens, though. Yeah. How about, how about the guy I just mentioned? Maybe Elam uh, goes a lot higher, the cornerback. I like him. Maybe he goes a lot higher than people think. Hopefully not, but uh, mm. if it's the Giants. But some, something, there's going to be a player that people feel is going to be like a, a, a in that 20 range that'll go like top seven or eight. And people be blown away. And then there probably will be a, a player or two that people think are for sure a first round pick that goes into day two. That always happens every year. It's going to happen tomorrow night. It sure is. Well, I can't wait to get started. Chris, tell everybody what you got on tap starting tomorrow, and then I'll tell everybody what I'm doing. Yeah, um, I will be live tomorrow. I've been doing a midday show this whole week, alternating with Bad Dog. So I think that'll be on my channel tomorrow from. 11 to one ish. And then uh, we'll be doing the live. We would like every year we'll be live streaming the draft. So uh, that'll be on bad dogs channel tomorrow night. Then back on my channel for day two. So yeah. Uh, and I might do a live Twitter after this. I haven't decided yet. We'll see if I have enough energy, but I'm, uh, I'm excited for, uh, for the draft. I appreciate you for having me on. Like you said, we'll definitely uh, talk and, and uh, try to set something up after the draft to uh, give our opinions based off of uh, the picks the New York giants made. Yeah, we'll see if you know whether we do it before the mini camp or after, but we'll definitely do, look to do something. For me, folks, um, I will have, of course, content on Giants Country. We have a few more stuff, things that we need to roll out over there. As far as the podcast goes, I'm going to probably do shorter shows um, and then do one big show at the end on over the weekend. I, I am planning to pod all the way through to Sunday and then picking up on the, on the usual uh, Monday. Um, so we'll be doing that. And if you've been looking at the little banner at the bottom there, we're going to have locked on NFL live. So that's going to be going on, uh, over on Instagram. I will open up a Q and a, um, I may even do an Instagram live. I think it's what they're called, but I have to see how the timing goes at the very least. I'm going to do a Q and a over there. If you want to follow me over there, it's at Patty Trainer on like my Twitter account, which is Patricia at Patricia underscore trainer. And of course on Twitter, as stuff comes up, we'll do, we'll do mailbags all weekend long. So hit me up, tag it, ask P train. That is so important because that will show up in the column. It needs to show up. So this way I don't lose it. Um, you know, cause I hate it when somebody says, Oh, I sent you a question. I'm like, but it didn't show up. And then I go and I look in my mentions, which 
I get a ton of, and there it is. So please tag it as P train. And just again, everybody, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining Chris and I tonight. I had a blast, Chris. I hope you did as well. Um, I hope everybody else enjoyed it. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will both catch you at different times this weekend. Enjoy the draft. And I hope you get everything you your heart desires in this draft. Take care, everybody. <laughs>